audio jungle. Tonight, Russia responds in the latest round of a war of words with the U.S. after a high-stakes showdown at the U.N. The fiery clash over Russia's troop buildup on Ukraine's border. The U.S. saying Russia is looking for a pretext to attack Ukraine. Russia accusing the U.S. of whipping up hysteria. President Biden in the Oval Office today, what he said the U.S. is ready to do. Also tonight, the federal judge rejecting a plea agreement for Ahmad Arbery's killers, why Arbery's mother said she felt betrayed by the deal. The big news from Moderna, it's COVID vaccine getting full FDA approval. Also, when will children under five be able to get vaccinated? The new possible timeline. In the UK, the scathing new report on parties held at Downing Street during lockdown. What it found and how Boris Johnson is responding. Joe Rogan breaking his silence in the backlash against him and Spotify over COVID misinformation, what he's vowing to do. The new winter storm threat and the deep freeze in Florida, how it impacts your breakfast table. The former top aide to Mike Pence testifying before the January 6th committee as Donald Trump takes new aim at his former VP. This is NBC Nightly News with Lester Holt. Good evening. There were some sharp exchanges in the United Nations today between the U.S. and Russia. Diplomacy going nowhere as the showdown grows over Russia's military buildup on its border with Ukraine. As Ukraine tonight appears to show more signs of preparation for war, civilians getting weapons training, the U.S. took its growing concerns over Russia's plans to the U.N. Security Council. The United States warning the Russian buildup threatens Europe. Russia accusing the U.S. of whipping up hysteria while denying plans to roll troops across the border. And tonight, a move in Congress to raise the ante on sanctions against Russia. Andrea Mitchell is watching it all for us and has the latest. With Russia deploying more fighter jets and conducting anti-submarine naval drills, President Biden tonight saying the U.S. is prepared if diplomacy fails. With Russia's continuing its buildup of its forces um, around Ukraine, we are ready no matter what happens. That after a high-stakes showdown between the U.S. and Russia at the United Nations. The situation we're facing in Europe is urgent and dangerous. Russia's aggression today not only threatened Ukraine, it also threatens Europe. Russia tried unsuccessfully to block the meeting before it even began, insisting it does not plan to invade Ukraine. Russia's ambassador today accusing the U.S. of trying to, quote, whip up hysterics. This is of great harm, this hysterica, to, uh, to Ukraine itself. But Ukraine challenging Russia. If Russian officials are serious when they say they don't want a new war, Russia must continue diplomatic engagement and pull back military forces it amassed along Ukraine's borders. 
The Ukrainians on alert for an invasion as U.S. military advisors train their troops. And in Kyiv, Ukrainian veterans are training civilians to fight. In Congress, there's a bipartisan bill to impose sanctions on Russia, including measures that could go into effect immediately. Russia has already taken provocative action that has caused damage to the Ukrainian economy um, that merits consequence. And, Andrew, we just learned that Russia has now sent new written responses to the U.S. Do we know what they said? Well, Lester, it's a response to the U.S. arms control proposals to de-escalate the crisis. And that's going to be the subject of Secretary of State Tony Blinken's planned talk with the Russian foreign minister tomorrow. At the same time, one ominous sign, Russia has now moved blood supplies they would need in an invasion to its troops on the border. Andrew Mitchell tonight. Thank you. Another major story this evening, a federal judge in Georgia rejecting Justice Department plea deals for two of the three men convicted of murdering Ahmad Arbery. The agreement would have allowed Travis and Gregory McMichael to avoid a hate crime trial and spend first part of their sentences in federal prisons. But Arbery's family objected to the deal, his mother saying she felt betrayed. The McMichaels have until Friday to decide whether to plead guilty or not. Let's turn out to COVID and some important developments this evening. Tom Costello joining us now. Tom, I understand young children may soon be approved for vaccine. You've also got news about Moderna shots. Yeah, that's right. So Moderna has now received full FDA approval for its vaccines for adults 18 and older. Of course, it's already been in use for more than a year under emergency use authorization. Pfizer's vaccine already received full approval. Meanwhile, former FDA chief and Pfizer board member Dr. Scott Gottlieb says the FDA may be close to approving the Pfizer vaccine for children under five with vaccinations coming as soon as March, part of a strategy to establish a widespread immunity for young kids with two shots, not three. That news comes as new pediatric cases remain extremely high, but are starting to slowly come down. 808,000 new confirmed pediatric cases for last week. Nearly 23% of all cases nationwide now involve kids, Lester. Tom Costello, thank you. And claims of misinformation have podcaster Joe Rogan and Spotify on defense after some big-name stars pulled their music from the platform over what he shared on his program. Emily Iketa has the latest. Hello, friends. Spotify's top podcaster breaking his silence. I'm not trying to promote misinformation. I'm not trying to be controversial. I've, I've never tried to do anything with this podcast other than just talk to people and have interesting conversations. As a small but growing revolt of artists scrub their music from the streaming platform. Prince Harry and Meghan also expressing concerns to Spotify, their podcast partner. But it was an easy decision, sad one to make, but, uh, you know, it's, it's not about 
Joe or music or this or that. It's about the people trying to save our lives, asking for help and standing with them. The Hall of Fame guitarist following in the footsteps of Neil Young, who specifically took issue with the Joe Rogan experience. If you're like 21 years old and you say to me, should I get vaccinated? I, I go, no. If you're a healthy person and you're exercising all the time and you're young and you're eating well, like, I don't think you need to worry about this. Rogan later clarifying he isn't anti-vax. This week, Spotify responding to those calls for change, saying a content advisory will be added to podcasts discussing the virus, directing listeners to a COVID-19 hub, something Rogan offers his full support on. I think uh, if there's anything that I've done that I could do better is uh, have more experts with differing opinions right after I have the controversial ones. The 54-year-old notes his podcast has included members of the COVID task force and Dr. Sanjay Gupta and defends his decision to interview controversial skeptics like Dr. Robert Malone. They have an opinion that's different from the mainstream narrative. I wanted to hear what their opinion is. His 10-minute video well-received by some, like The Rock, writing perfectly articulated, as the music streamer is fighting to win back subscribers after hashtag delete Spotify went viral. If I pissed you off, I'm sorry. Rogan's apology, at least calming investors, Spotify stock prices started rebounding Monday up 13% as subscribers wait with bated breath over who could press pause on Spotify next. Emily Iketa, NBC News. In London, new calls for Prime Minister Boris Johnson to resign after the release of a highly critical report on parties held at 10 Downing Street during COVID restrictions. The report calling the parties a serious failure to uphold high standards. Johnson once again apologized. In Washington, growing fallout tonight over remarks by former President Trump, including the suggestion he might pardon people convicted of crimes related to the January 6th attack if he's reelected. Here's Garrett Hake. Tonight, the top Republican on the January 6th committee warning former President Trump's embrace of his supporters convicted of crimes related to the attack sends a dangerous message. Some of those people uh, have been charged with things like seditious conspiracy. He uses the same language that he knows caused the January 6th violence. And uh, I think that it tells us that he clearly would do this all again if he were given the chance. The congresswoman responding to these comments made by the former president Friday night. If I run and if I win, we will treat those people from January 6th fairly. We will treat them fairly. And if it requires pardons, we will give them pardons. Now one of Trump's top Capitol Hill allies pushing back too. I don't want to reinforce that defiling the Capitol was okay. Mm -hmm. I don't want to do anything that would make this more likely in the future. As he mulls making another run for the White House, the former president also arguing against a bipartisan effort to update the Electoral Count Act, suggesting Sunday night that with the law as written, Vice President Pence, quote, could have overturned the election. That statement adding pressure to clarify the law soon.
Almost certainly we'll have a bipartisan bill there. Fix what happened. The insurrection stopped that from ever happening again. A bill the January 6th committee sees as potentially helpful, but not sufficient to counter the former president. And that just simply can't be who we are as Americans. It can't be who we are as Republicans. And tonight we're learning that former Pence chief of staff Mark Short has testified in front of the committee, one of the most senior Trump officials to do so. Lester. Garrett Hake on Capitol Hill. Thanks. Now to President Biden's short list for the Supreme Court. The president looking for bipartisan support for a nominee, but faces new Republican criticism. Kelly O'Donnell is at the White House. And Kelly, we now know the names that are expanding. Well, Lester, White House officials tell me those three judges who got all that initial attention aren't alone. A list of black women legal scholars now numbers a dozen under consideration. President Biden vowed to make history, choosing the first black woman on the Supreme Court to better reflect the country. But some Republicans tonight say the field should not be limited. And a new poll finds that Americans overwhelmingly, 76 percent, prefer the president consider all qualified nominees. The White House responding that President Trump made a similar pledge when he promised to nominate a woman to replace Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Lester? Kelly, thank you. As the Northeast digs out from this weekend's major snowstorm, 50 million people are under winter weather alerts tonight for a new threat. Much of the middle of the country can expect heavy snow as the storm moves east. Meanwhile, citrus farmers in Florida are dealing with the damage from the big chill there that will be felt beyond the Sun Belt. Kerry Sanders is there. In the battle to save Florida's crops from the freezing cold, some farmers this week launched an aerial assault, deployed more than two dozen helicopters. Helicoptering is trying to push warmer air down on the crops to try to save it. Sometimes it works, and, but sometimes it don't. Just about two years ago, these same farmers plowed under abundant crops as the pandemic broke supply lines, costing them millions, and the hits keep coming. Our fuel costs are double, our fertilizer costs are 65% higher, and now we're facing the freeze. You know. Florida citrus growers, desperate to save their fruit, have iced it over locking it in at 32 degrees as ambient temperatures drop even lower. See, that's actually freezing it. We've had three, uh, three days of freezes, and this is some damage from that. Florida is on pace to produce the smallest crop of oranges since World War II. Larry Black's family began citrus farming in the 1800s. Is the freeze that you just had, is that the biggest problem? Uh, no, the biggest issue is citrus greening. And when a tree is hit with that disease, it drops its fruit early, upwards of 40%. That is a complete loss. We've been dealing with the disease for about 15 years, citrus greening. Uh, this is before the freeze was going to be uh, the smallest crop since the 1940s. With the freeze, the price of some fruits and vegetables will now rise at the grocery store as farmers across the state scramble to harvest what survived. Kerry Sanders, NBC News, Fort Meade. Up next for us, just days before the Beijing Olympics, we speak with families torn apart 
by what the U.S. calls China's acts of genocide. Just four days until the Olympics opening ceremony, and with all eyes on Beijing, we're shining a light on China's widely condemned treatment of Uyghur Muslims. Keir Simmons takes us inside Turkey, where exiled Uyghurs live torn apart from their families. And I don't know, where is my sister? Tonight, Medine Nazimi is in Turkey, showing us a picture of her sister back home in China, who's been missing for four years. Medine, who fled China, could not see her mother before her mom died. I cannot see her never again, but I don't have chance to go back to my country, and I cannot, I don't have chance to see my family members. And it's so hard. Couldn't go to say goodbye to your mom. Yeah, even one time. With pictures of missing loved ones, every one of these Uyghurs, a mainly Muslim minority group from China, has a story of families torn apart. We are living very horrible nightmare. You can see all the family family is broken. We cannot get any information about our relatives. All of them fled what the U.S. government has called a genocide by the Chinese government against Uyghurs. More than a million people detained in what China calls re-education camps, designed to rid them of what they claim are separatist thoughts and religious extremism. Many Uyghurs say they are concentration camps. The State Department reports torture, forced sterilization, and forced labor, which China denies. Senator Marco Rubio has championed sanctions on China over allegations of its treatment of Uyghurs. The policy of the Chinese Communist Party here is to strip people of their identity, their religious identity, their ethnic identity, their family identity. And so uh, they really don't have no regards to family units or anything that uh, attaches people to the past. This is the last picture Sudanisa has of her daughter, Shahid, taken five years ago. She was only five. This woman breaks down as she describes one brief call with her teenage daughter. My heart is torn apart, she says. There is no humanity in this world. Please help us. The women gave us names and addresses, hoping we could help. Chinese officials told us it was not enough detail, but agreed to an interview. This is, this is the United Nations Convention on the Rights of the Child, ratified by China in 1992. And it is very clear a child should not be separated from his or her parents against their will. Such rights can be and should be guaranteed and protected. They are protected in China. In some cases, a child left behind in China is not willing to meet them. The problem is that families tell me they're terrified, frightened to contact each other because they believe they will be punished. There are no such worries. The majority have no such problems. But that is not what these Uyghurs told us. But because of Chinese regime, 
We cannot live a normal life. Tonight, many Uyghurs continue to call for a boycott of the Beijing Olympics. China says even the U.S. diplomatic boycott violates the Olympic spirit. Lester? Keir Simmons, thank you. In a program note, Keir's documentary, China, Rise of a Superpower, premieres this Thursday on NBC News Now and will also stream on Peacock. That's Nightly News. Thank you for watching, everyone. I'm Lester Holt. Please take care of yourself and each other. Audio Jungle. with Emily Chang. I'm Emily Chang in San Francisco, and this is Bloomberg Technology. Coming up in the next hour, Joe Rogan apologizes and Spotify shares soar. How the streaming service is addressing the turmoil over the world's most popular podcast. Plus, Bitcoin closing out a rough month, down more than 20% just this January, the worst since last May. We'll be joined by FTX CEO Sam Bankman-Fried, fresh off a new $32 billion valuation. Why isn't the exchange feeling the crypto winter? We will discuss. And out at Bolt, the young company CEO stepping down just two weeks after helping secure billions in valuation for the fintech startup. What's really going on here? We'll discuss all that in a moment. But first, let's get to the markets and a massive rebound for tech stocks. Our Ed Ludlow here tracking it all. Ed? Yeah, so there's volatility in the markets, right? You look on the board, a 3.3% gain on the Nasdaq 100. Nothing to write home about. But if you take it on a two-day basis, we think about Friday and Monday session. That's a jump of 7%. Biggest two-day jump since November. And it's really focused in technology shares, right? You see it as well in the Philadelphia Semiconductor Index. Up 5.5% Monday, but experiencing that big two-day leap. And what's interesting is investors still focused on the outlook for the Fed and higher rates. You see the U.S. 10-year yield up by a single basis point, 1.78% on the U.S. 10-year. And in this risk-on environment, we got most of the crypto currencies that Bloomberg tracks up higher. The Bloomberg Galaxy Crypto Index up 6.5%, biggest jump since November. Let's get to some after-hours earnings as well. NXP Semiconductor, European-based, of course, but the second, second biggest supplier to the automotive sector. We've been up much more than that in after-hours, up just half a percent now, but really strong outlook for the first quarter. Revenue of 3 to $3.18 billion. And it's basically saying demand is still there, but inventory is still very depressed. And so that's really important in the context of that supply chain crunch that we've seen. We'll talk about that later in the show. 
M&A News, Emily, M&A News. Look at these two companies, Sony and Bungie. And this is really cool, right? So Sony, hot on the tails of that Microsoft Activision tie-up, buying Bungie for $3.6 I'm a big Destiny 2 fan. I play a lot of Destiny 2 on my Google Stadia device. But what's so fascinating, Bungie was one of the original developers on Halo, which is the big Xbox hit. You see Microsoft making moves, Sony retaliating. Okay, it's a much smaller deal but really interesting this space. Hotting up third um, kind of deal we've had, of course, after Take-Two got its guns going earlier enough. And finally, let's talk really quickly about Spotify. Spotify jumping more than 13% on Monday. That's the biggest jump since October 2019. Now, I don't normally do this, but I'm gonna do it for you, Emily. This is a <laughs> six-day chart, okay, six-day chart, bear with me. 13% gain on Monday, but we were down so much on Spotify last week with all the furore around Joe Rogan. So what has that jump today done? It's erased the losses of last week. All five days of losses gone. You don't see that very often. So a little treat for you, because I know you're going to talk a lot about this story. The power of a Joe Rogan sort of apology. All right, Ed Ludlow, thank you. On that note, Spotify star podcaster Joe Rogan taking to Instagram to address the simmering controversy that he peddles COVID misinformation. Rogan pledging more balance and better research for his shows. My pledge to you is that I will do my best to try to balance out these more controversial viewpoints with other people's perspectives so we can maybe find a better point of view. I don't want to just show the, the contrary opinion to what the narrative is. I want to show all kinds of opinions so that we can all figure out what's going on, and, and not just about COVID, about everything, about health, about fitness, wellness, the, the state of the world itself. Singers Neil Young and Joni Mitchell pulled their music from Spotify last week to protest Rogan, who has hosted outspoken critics of vaccines. And Spotify is now also doing damage control. Jennifer Zabajaja of Bloomberg Quick Take joining us now to talk about how this is going viral. Viral indeed, Jen. Talk to us about what Rogan had to say, whether or not it was enough, and what Spotify is doing differently now. Yeah, Emily, I mean, you just saw a snippet there of Joe Rogan speaking in what ended up being almost a 10-minute long uh, video talking about how he is pledging to, to do more and have diverse voices on his platform. But Spotify, for their part, they were waiting uh, to, to put out any sort of information, but they did put out a set of rules which they say are governing acceptable content. But I think it's important to note these rules had actually uh, been in place with the company prior to this Joe Rogan fallout. They just decided to make this public. One of those steps that they plan to take is adding warning labels to a podcast that discuss things like COVID-19 and instead uh, directing listeners to uh, experts and other outlets uh, that maybe can verify that information. But without mentioning any specific names, uh, CEO Daniel X said that it's important to me that we don't take on the position of being content censored while also making sure that there are rules in place and consequences for those who violate them. And we just heard from Ed. I mean, these comments alone sent the company's shares up 13% closing today. Uh, so something for the company, but definitely not an issue that's going to go away anytime soon, Emily. All right. Let's talk about uh, uh, how Spotify is still, you know, at the bottom of it all, doubling down on the Joe Rogan experience. How important is 
a podcast like that to the platform? I mean, they talked about how they've you know gotten rid of 20,000 other podcast episodes for this very reason, COVID misinformation, but certainly Joe Rogan is their star. Yeah, and I think, Emily, I mean, that's such a great point, and we have to note that Spotify knew what it was getting into when it signed Joe Rogan just two years ago for what's a deal that's estimated to be worth about $100 million. He already had a fan base, so what they were doing was exclusively getting Joe Rogan's views, Joe Rogan's subscribers onto the platform. And if we just think about how many viewers or how many listeners Spotify has, they have an estimated 172 million paying subscribers. So the subscribers that are listening to Joe Rogan, almost 11 million listeners, a week going to Joe Rogan's podcast. That is important for the platform. So while uh, with all due respect to, to Joni Mitchell and Neil Young, those two artists pulling uh, their songs from the platform isn't as meaningful than someone like Joe Rogan. So we're going to have to see really sort of what follows after this. Now that we've heard from both sides, hashtag cancel Spotify, delete Spotify was still trending uh, just as of yesterday. And we it'll remain to be seen if we see more artists potentially following suit and this creating a bigger headache for Spotify than it currently is right now. But it's a Absolutely. pretty big headache. <laughs> Indeed. Curious how big an impact that headache is going to be. Jennifer Sabajaja, Bloomberg Quick Take, thanks so much. I want to stick with Spotify. Bring in Mark Mahaney of Evercore. Mark, just how big do you think this headache is going to continue to be for Spotify? My guess is that they handled it reasonably well. If I you know, watch the, uh, the Joe Rogan clip that you just uh, put up, and especially what uh, Eck uh, uh, tweeted about, uh, posted about over the weekend, and, and they disclosed the, their 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 rules for handling content. Seems to me like they they addressed this reasonably well head on. I know the stock went up today. I think that was a little bit of Rogan. I think it was a lot more the fact that you finally had an up market uh, up tape in a while, and that you were sort of moving beyond a little bit beyond the Netflix overhang because I think that's been a major overhang on the stock over the last uh, week and a half too. So confluence of events helps the stock today. I hope that Spotify's addressed this issue. And it's an issue that whenever they went into podcasting, and they did in size two years ago with Rogan and other people, uh, that uh, you're, once you get into content, you've got moderation responsibilities one way or another. Right. So they're going to have to deal with this issue going forwards a lot. It seems to me like they handled Rogan reasonably well this time. Well, and we've certainly seen companies as big as Facebook handle misinformation issues, you know, to not necessarily great effect. Do you see Spotify on that same scale? And do you think that they can manage this? This is certainly not going to be the last of these sort of crises. I'm just hoping that uh, Spotify learned a little bit from uh, what Facebook has, uh, has gone through. And uh, I, I thought having, I thought Rogan's, uh, again, his, his clip and the, the, his, uh, his message on Instagram, um, a lot of irony and all this, but I, I thought he, I thought he handled himself well and talked about allowing uh, a, a, a thoughtful, balanced perspectives on some of these issues. I thought that was the right approach. I wish more people would take that approach. Anyway, I, whether Spotify really does or not, I don't know. It's kind of a character question when it comes to Daniel Eck. I, he seems to be a pretty thoughtful, moderate, you know, and he's also said yeah, he's got strong opinions about these, but he's not going to let those uh, dictate what content gets shown or not. He just wants to make sure that what's out there is thoughtful. And if it's a widely held, if they're widely widely spread or widely held scientific views, they should definitely be included. So it seemed to me like he took a nice, moderate approach to this. Hopefully he does this and he won't have too many of these. But, you know, if you're doing content again on the Internet, you're going to have some moderation responsibilities, especially if you're a platform as big as Spotify.
is who you think has the power here. We obviously we saw Neil Young, Joni Mitchell pull their music. We've seen this before with uh, Taylor Swift, you know, pulling out of the Spotify platform. Who has the power? Is it Spotify or is it the artists? And tell us why that matters. Well, uh, what I found interesting is that Spotify was willing to, when Neil Young said it's uh, Rogan or Young, Spotify made their choice. They said, well, we're going to go with Rogan. We really hope you come back, Phil, but we're also going to address some of your concerns. So it seems like to me like the power is really with Spotify. Now, if it was another bigger artist, maybe that would be different. But remember the controversy. I see you're showing uh, Taylor Swift. There was a nice controversy between those. And I think Spotify kind of stuck with its guns uh, over the years and kind of was consistent with its policies. Taylor Swift came back. I think for a lot of artists, Spotify is just uh, one of their best distribution channels now. And I think especially uh, over the last two or three years, uh, one of the few really great ways for artists to make money was through uh, digital streaming. Um, you know, the concert tours were canceled for much too long of a period, but it happened. And so you had no choice. I think at the, at the margin, the streaming companies like Spotify gained more leverage over artists and over labels over the last two years. I think to me, that's the big so what of what happened. So quickly, you know, we got Spotify earnings coming up. We obviously saw what happened with Netflix is subscribers. Lots of concerns there about whether they'll uh, continue to see that kind of growth quarter after quarter. Do you think Spotify is in a better position? And if so, why? I think they are. It's also because I think they're earlier on. So if you add up all the users of Netflix and they're about two or three people per account, you know, you're talking about a service with, uh, you know, five to 600 million users. Spotify is more like 400 million and they only launched into about 80 international markets just in the last year. So I don't think they are as well adopted as Netflix is. Uh, but, you know, look, if um, if Spotify's, I, Spotify's one of my top picks here, I think we've got a gross margin inflection point coming up. I don't think we'll have a problem with subs and MAUs, monthly average users. But Emily, if we do, you're going to have the same thing happen to Spotify that's happened to Netflix. I don't, I think that's a much lower probability in the case of, of Spotify. I just think it's two years behind, maybe three years behind Netflix in terms of its global adoption. And it's got a freemium model. So a freemium model means that the users can come from a lot of different directions. And I think that's a little bit of a limit to Netflix. Netflix may have to adjust and change that within the next year or two. All right. Mark Mahaney of Evercore. Always great to have you, Mark. Appreciate your insights Thanks. there. Coming up, a health startup that lets patients monitor their blood at home with a simple prick of a finger. Sound familiar? It is just the beginning, though, for the health startup Athelis. I'll speak with the co-founder next on how the technology works and where they go from here. This is Bloomberg. I think at the end of the day, uh, you know, the COVID task force laid out a plan, the CDC laid out a plan. We have a way to continue to move America forward. It's by, by getting vaccinated, getting people boosted. Uh, the numbers show that with the Omicron variant, uh, people got sick, but not as sick as, as previous uh, variants or, or the beginning of COVID. Uh, continue to wear masks, uh, even just to protect yourself, whether there's a mask mandate or not. U.S. Labor Secretary Marty Walsh earlier on Bloomberg talking about the Omicron sub-variant and how it could impact plans to return to the office. The sub-variant appears to spread faster than the original Omicron strain, but 
UK health officials say booster shots are an effective shield against it, which is perfect timing as the Moderna vaccine just received full FDA approval. For more on this, I'm joined by Bloomberg's Riley Griffin, who covers vaccines for us. So what is significant about this, Riley, and why did it take so long, given that Pfizer's got full approval back in August? That's a great question. The full approval for Moderna is a really critical commercial milestone. I'll say that first and foremost. It's important to the business. These emergency use authorizations actually can be revoked at any given time and don't have much longevity to them. They basically dissolve in the wake of or after an emergency. So that Moderna now has this stamp of approval from the FDA means that its product will continue to exist post-pandemic. Um, why did it take so long? Moderna lagged really in submitting its materials to the FDA behind Pfizer. Pfizer had received that full approval back in August, um, and it had submitted its application months earlier. We know that at the time that Pfizer actually received that full approval, Moderna hadn't finished its application. And so it's taken a little bit longer for the FDA to review the typically thousands of, of pages and, and data points to make this decision. So uh, let's talk about what's coming next. As a mom, I'm waiting for vaccines for kids under five. Do we have an update on that? I've seen reports about March. So we've heard nothing from Pfizer. We're waiting on the data at this time. They actually provided an update in November, excuse me, December, um, that they were going to change their clinical trial to study a three-dose regimen, three shots instead of two in that um, under five cohort. But we're hearing signals from Dr. Anthony Fauci, from a member of Pfizer's board who formerly sat in the top position at the FDA, that they expect this to come within the next month or so or before that March timeframe. I think one thing you might want to consider as a parent is, is it going to be that three-dose regimen or a two-dose regimen? Because in the wake of Omicron, we're seeing that it's much harder to prevent symptomatic COVID cases including among children, with just the two doses. And so that's been the holdup and why many parents are disappointed that this hasn't come sooner. Yeah, lots of people waiting. All right, Bloomberg's Riley Griffin, thank you for that update. Well, the ongoing pandemic has accelerated a transition in healthcare from hospitals to the home. And my next guest wants to stay ahead of that curve. Athelas, an at-home blood diagnostic device, just announced more than $130 million in new funding, now valued at more than a billion dollars, Silicon Valley's latest unicorn. The vision to give patients and doctors the ability to monitor chronic conditions at home. Joining me now, Dipika Bodapati, co-founder of Athelas. Uh, Dipika, thank you so much for joining us. So this is an FDA-approved device that you can use at home. Explain the vision here. Yeah, thanks for having me on today, Emily. Um, the, the way that we think about chronic care is that folks who are chronically ill naturally need more care. And so this can't just be done when they're seeing their doctors or within the four walls of a hospital. This also has to extend to their home. You know, if we're monitoring them from their home and if doctors are able to collect more metrics from their home, we're able to see if their condition is worsening over time. And for those folks who are at risk, we're actually able to prevent their disease from escalating.
Now, when people hear simple blood test, a lot of people think of Theranos. I'm, I'm sure you've heard investors say that in the boardroom. How is Athelis different and how do you battle that kind of skepticism? Yes, no, I've heard of the company Theranos at this point. <laughs> um, I, I think, you know, we really just focused on the data. Like for us, that was what it was. When we started the company was when all of the talks about Theranos really were, were beginning. And so we took a really focused approach on just clinical trials. What are the numbers telling us? You know, A-B testing and really getting that FDA clearance. And once we got that clearance, you know, we really felt like a lot of the skepticism was falling away. We're not doing hundreds of tests with a single drop of blood. We are focused on two tests and we do them really well. So you've got this blood diagnostic product, also looking at blood pressure products, pill tracking, weight monitoring. What kind of future products are you considering developing and how does that fit into the bigger picture? Yeah, sure, Emily. Um, the way that we think about chronic care monitoring and remote patient monitoring as a whole is really the future of healthcare is going to be in really smart passive sensors in really intelligent software mixing with really intelligent hardware. And so what that can look like is intelligent sensors in your toilet, in your toothbrush, in your sink. We wanna be passively monitoring different biometric data and seeing how all of those little puzzle pieces fit into the greater picture um, longitudinally. Now, I know the goal at one point was to detect the flu or other diseases. Is that something that you're still working on or perhaps preventing or detecting the next pandemic before it happens? You know, I don't think we'll be able to do much for the COVID uh, virus itself, but I do think that in a world that, you know, where at-home mandates are possible and just being remote is likely going to be the future, I think that in that world, it's going to be really key for doctors to be plugged into patients' care. And when, that, when it comes to chronic care monitoring or even something as simple as a checkup, you know, patients who are doing telehealth visits need to be able to transfer their biometric data in a really clean way. We wanna be able to help with that specific thing. Well, certainly we'll be watching your progress as the healthcare increasingly moves into homes. Dipika Bodapati, co-founder of Athelis. Thanks much. Coming up, more consolidation in the gaming world. Sony has agreed to buy Bungie, the game developer behind the popular Destiny and Halo franchises. More on the $3.6 billion deal next. This is Bloomberg. A few stories we continue to watch. The online word puzzle sensation Wordle has now been acquired by the New York Times. The Times says it purchased the game for a price in the low seven figures from its creator, software engineer Josh Wardle, who published his own statement on Twitter saying, quote, 
It's been incredible to watch a game bring so much joy to so many, but I'd be lying if I said this hasn't been a little overwhelming. He also mentions his inspiration from the New York Times and the creation of the game, making this deal a very natural next step. Sony is spending $3.6 billion to bolster its stable of game-making studios. That's what the company will pay to Bungie, the U.S. video game developer behind the popular Destiny franchise. Buying Bungie will give Sony one of the most popular first-person shooter games to compete with the massive Call of Duty series, which Microsoft now owns through its purchase of Activision. And the former pharmaceutical executive known as the Pharma Bro has reached a $28 million settlement to resolve class action litigation. Martin Screlly, a colleague, and his former company are part of this deal. They are accused of trying to gouge customers on an anti-parasitic drug. Since 2017, Screlly has been serving a seven-year prison term for defrauding investors. Coming up, the supply chain's still bottlenecked. When does it end? We'll ask Flexport CEO Ryan Peterson. That is next. This is Bloomberg. Welcome back to Bloomberg Technology. I'm Emily Chang in San Francisco. And to get back to the markets and earnings season in full swing, one topic that's top of mind for investors. Our Ed Ledlow here to break it down. Ed? Supply chains. If you were sick of me saying that in 2021, Emily, oh, just you wait because 2022 is going to bring a lot more. Look, we got NXP earnings after the bell. Strong outlook for the first quarter we talked about earlier, a range of 3 to $3.18 billion of revenue. But there was some really interesting commentary because what they're essentially saying is that NXP, the second biggest supplier to the automotive industry, is seeing strong demand but low inventory levels for those end customers. In other words, the car companies that are taking the chips from them are putting them straight into products, goods that are ready for sale. They're not building up inventories. And this is a key point, right? Because traditionally, semiconductors are a boom and bust industry, a boom cycle followed by gluts because people have overbought. That doesn't seem to be the case. So it's an interesting one to watch. The shortage kind of still seems to be there. And supply chains are the buzzword of earnings so far. Let's bring up this chart. Really interesting. S&P 500 earnings we've had so far. These are the topics by word count that have been most mentioned. Top of the list, supply chain. You know, this has really been a key topic that analysts want to ask about. And they also want to ask about the macro picture. Apple, of course, did really well circumventing some supply chain disruption, particularly in semiconductors, and limiting that impact to iPads. 
Now we get some information from the automakers. GM tomorrow on Tuesday and Ford later in the week. And look at how these two stocks have performed year to date. Remember, they did amazing in 2021. Both of them really pushing their stock higher. Ford breaching $100 billion for the first time. But since the turn of the year, both have really dropped off in negative territory. Ford kind of outperformed. But, you know, this is the question. What is that semiconductor supply like? How was it in the fourth quarter? And what is their outlook for the rest of this year? All right, Ed, thanks much. I want to stick with the supply chain and talk about when we might finally see that light at the end of the tunnel. I want to bring in our next guest, Ryan Peterson, CEO of Flexport, a platform that connects everyone in a company's supply chain to help simplify global trade. Ryan, you have so much insight at different links of the chain, and I want you to take us to those critical ports in L.A. and Long Beach. What's happening there right now? What's status quo? Yeah, hey, great to see you. Thanks for having me on. We are we're seeing longer delays than than really ever at the port of Long Beach in LA and and across the West Coast. Shipping from China to the United States, actually really from anywhere in Asia has reached the longest time, the longest transit time that we've measured last week. Uh, and it looks like things are improving, but that's only optics. If you go down to the port of LA where they used to have all these container ships waiting off the shore, They've actually changed the rules to force those ships to wait further out to sea to avoid the pollution, uh, which is a great rule, but you can not you can no longer use that as the indicator. Flexport's developed our own. It's called the Ocean Timeliness Indicator, which tracks the actual transit time of the goods. And that's where we see this data that's taking longer than ever. So are you saying things are actually getting worse? And then what does that mean for the outlook for the rest of the year? Um, yeah, I am. It's, it's been getting worse and worse every week. And uh, I, I, it's very hard to make predictions about the future right now. Uh, there's a couple big factors that are making it almost impossible. First of those is that on July 1st of this year of 2022, the union that runs the ports, it's called the International Longshoremen Warehousing Union, they have their contract expiring on July 1st. And we expect in years past, the last times this happened, you get slowdowns as the negotiations happening and occasionally a strike. Um, so that, that's a big wrench that could be thrown into the machine that's very, very hard to predict. Um, and at the end of the year, July 1st of 2023, the, there are new regulations coming from the IMO, International Maritime Organization, which requires all the ships in the world to reduce their carbon emissions. Uh, and the only way to do that for, for these ships is to actually sales slower. Uh, and so you're going to see a big sh uh, slowdown starting at the beginning of next year as the ships have to start sl sailing slower to reduce their carbon emissions. Now, we've heard CEOs over and over again say that they're continuing to face supply chain issues. No surprise to you. Elon Musk on the Tesla call, for example, saying they continue to be chip limited. But Apple somehow defied the trend. And Tim Cook actually said he had line of sight to things getting better. I want you to take a quick listen to Dan Ives, a longtime Apple analyst from Wedbush Securities, and what he had to say about that. As hard as the supply chain is to navigate, I mean, Apple's really doing it at the front of the line. And I'd say the, the damage has been contained. Supply chain improving in March, that's going to be a big focus tomorrow for every tech investor and really anyone in the food chain that contrasts some of the fears that we're seeing, even from a Tesla and others, about supply chain issues lasting throughout all 2022. That's a key. 
How is it, Ryan, that Apple isn't feeling the pain, but everyone else is? Yeah, well, remember, Apple's one of the best-run companies in the world with great margins and the ability to spend more to speed things up and the ability to pay for air freight and premium services. And not every company has access to those resources and the ability to pay extra and move things. And Apple's margins allow them to do that. So it's it's uh, the average small company does not have the ability of these big companies to do things. You saw also like Walmart chartering ships, uh, another uh, Home Depot, I believe, is, did as well. That's not something that an SMB, a mom and pop, or even a medium-sized company can entertain. You've long said that tech can be part of the solution, and that's import the value proposition of Flexport. You know, what's it going to take? How are we going to fix this? Well, uh, technology has to play a key role. Now, in the, in the longer term, we're talking about real robotics technology, automation of these ports, ability to improve our productivity. American ports operate with a productivity, so a number of containers per uh, uh, hour of labor lower than Mombasa, Kenya. So we don't have very productive ports. We need to invest in automation. There's a big role for government in helping to do that since they own the ports. Um, shorter term, because we can't wait years and years for new robots and things to come online, there's got to be better technology, like what Flexport offers, which gives people visibility and predictability of when is that cargo going to arrive, give them options, allow them to load balance uh, across providers, across ocean carriers and airlines, find space, find capacity, get things moving, even in a difficult market. One of my big fears for brands out there, for retailers, is that they overorder. Because right now, everything, you know, you've got, it's hard to get semiconductors, it's hard to get inventory in stock. And so you're ordering, ordering, ordering with long transit times. You might, you might order too much stuff and find out, hey, there's not enough demand for our products. You've seen that with some companies out there recently. I think you'll see, my big fear is that you're going to see a lot more of that in the future. And a longer transit time, if you don't have good visibility of when stuff is going to arrive, can lead you to keep ordering more stuff to try to get cargo in. Next thing you know, you have too much inventory and that can be really bad for business. Last quick question. SpaceX just won a contract with the Air Force to work on ways to transport military cargo around the world as well as humanitarian aid on a rocket. You seem excited about this idea. What do you see as a role for space technology potentially in the not so distant future? Uh, well, I'm a huge SpaceX fan and a small SpaceX investor, so really excited to see what the, what's possible there. I think reality is that's probably decades away from being something that's commercially viable. The reality is you, you need launch infrastructure on the other side of the world. Uh, these rockets take days and weeks to plan the launch, and if there's bad weather, it can't launch, and by the time that thing went off, you could have just flown an airplane. So I think this is much more of an R&D project than something that's that's near term, but uh, but obviously very excited about it. Okay, Ryan Peterson, CEO of Flexport, appreciate you taking the time to join us, even with the uh, bleak outlook on the future. Coming up, FTX now valued at $32 billion. We will speak with FTX CEO Sam Bankman-Fried about the latest funding round and all things crypto. Coming up next, this is Bloomberg.
Bitcoin is closing out a rough month with January declines topping 20%, the worst since last May. The largest cryptocurrency spent 65% of the month in decline and other digital assets have also suffered like Ether, down roughly 30% since the end of December. Let's dive into our Bloomberg Crypto Report with Bloomberg Shanali Basik. Shanali, take it away. What's happening here? Still? Yeah, let's look at the last couple of days in Bitcoin because we have had a little bit of a lift in prices here, helping us bring Bitcoin even further off of its lows. So we're looking at Bitcoin at $38,500 right now. But let's put that into context because even though Bitcoin had dropped way down to 33000 this month, we are still off the highs of 69,000. So what does that mean? It means that we are coming back up, Emily, but we are still looking at the worst month here since the 2018 crypto winter. People want to look for that resistance level and hopefully we don't go too much further down from here. But I want to also draw us over to the private markets because even though these crypto prices are bringing down other related assets like Ethereum, like even Coinbase, for example, we are seeing FTX go through some very massive increases in valuation in the private markets, raising money twice in the past year. We have them now jumping almost twice the value that it was just about six months ago. Uh, very massive uh, increase over to $32 billion. Shanali, we're also uh, talking to FTX CEO Sam Bankman-Fried, and he is here with us now. Sam, thank you so much for joining us. Obviously, this is a huge, huge number, your third raise in, I believe, nine months. How are you thinking about this valuation, and how do you justify it, aside from the fact that investors are willing to pay it? Yeah, and thanks for having me on. Um, you know, I, I'm really excited about the growth that we've had, and, and I think that's what I keep coming back to is that you know, over the last two years, we have been consistently the fastest growing crypto exchange um, across the world. Um, our volume is up massive amounts year on year and, and continues to climb in market share. I think that's the biggest piece of it. And then I think secondarily, um, you know, a seventh string that we can operate well um, on multiple fronts, including on the regulatory and consumer fronts. You know, Sam, Why do you think the, the crypto bear market, Sam, hasn't impacted what's going on here? Obviously, we heard Shanali's report there about what's been happening with the numbers. Is that not something you're feeling from investors? It's a good question. And I think that to some extent, we've just seen a divergence between different companies and you know how much confidence investors have in them, especially during a tougher market segment. But I think there's also been a substantial public versus private divergence here where at the same time that we've seen, um, you know, publicly listed equities get hit, the private venture market has been relatively more robust and VC funds have been able to raise more money successfully. Yeah, speaking of that private market differential and valuations here, does that create more of a reason for you to stay private and for more companies to sell to companies like you? I think it does. You know, I think that, you know, we, we've been evaluating whether it makes sense for us to go public at some point. We're on the fence about that. We could imagine doing it. We could imagine not doing it. But I think certainly looking at the relative market environments uh, is one of the inputs to that. And this is definitely something that's making us not feel a ton of urgency uh, to go public.
Well, it's interesting because you have an Ontario teachers, for example, participating in this round. And I'm wondering if you're seeing more large institutional investors seek access to cryptocurrency through companies like yours rather than direct exposure. Yeah, I think that's right. And I think that it's in some sense it's easier, even just from a custody and clearing perspective, you know, they're well used to buying into stock, um, you know, whether public or private. Uh, but if they want to buy into tokens, they'd have to figure out how do they hold them? How do they report them? What does it mean from a tax and compliance and reporting perspective? The same sorts of things that banks are going through as they investigate what it would mean for them to have any cryptocurrencies directly on their balance sheet or custodied on behalf of customers. You've got a lot of cash to work with now, Sam, and you've expressed interest in M&A. Curious what some target areas are, especially, uh, you know, areas that might help you compete with the likes of other deep-pocketed uh, exchanges out there, whether it's Binance or Coinbase and beyond. Absolutely. You know, I, I think there's a few versions of this, and we've done some acquisitions sort of historically that I think point towards what we might looking, you know, be looking at in the future. And I do think acquisitions are a big part of this. You know, you can look at the LedgerX acquisition, which we're really excited about, um, you know, to help us build, build out our, uh, you know, licensed footprint in the United States with the CFTC. Um, you can look at the Blockfolio acquisition from, you know, a year and a half ago, which helped jumpstart our consumer business. Um, I think that, that those are two types of deals that we are continuing to look more at. And that we think might be, uh, you know, really value additive. You know, you've raised billions of dollars in the last year, but really you can potentially buy something much bigger if you wanted to borrow money or, or uh, get more financing in the future for an acquisition. How big are you willing to go, Sam? You know, it all depends on the context. And I think one of our kind of really driving forces as a company is not having an arbitrary restriction on that. There isn't a point above which we are unwilling to go. It's just a question of what makes sense. You know, we're willing to go substantially bigger than those if it's the right opportunity, if the company is excited about it, if we're excited about it, and if it's a really good fit for our business, we're absolutely happy to entertain it. Obviously, FTX has really banked on some of these big sports partnerships. Tom Brady, um, one of those partners, and there's increasing talk about the R word, and that is retirement. And I'm curious, if, if Tom Brady retires, what does that mean for uh, Tom Brady and FTX and Tom Brady and crypto? Do we see more involvement there? It's a good question. In the end, he's the person to ask, and I can't speak for him. <laughs> I, I don't know anything not public. I'll say what I said earlier, which is that our uh, our intramural football team has an opening at quarterback. He might be able to beat out our incumbent. That's always a possibility, but who knows? All right. Well, we'll be watching for the next sports partnership with FTX and beyond. Thanks so much, Sam. Good to have you back on the show. FTX CEO Sam Bankman-Fried and Bloomberg's Shanali Basik. All right. Coming up. He started the company when he was just a student at Stanford, but now the CEO of Bolt, the online checkout company, is stepping down. The series of controversial events that may have led to his decision fit for an episode of HBO's Silicon Valley. That is next. This is Bloomberg.
we have been known for pushing the envelope on culture. Um, we defined what's called our conscious culture, which is how you bridge execution with humanity. And one day we saw news of some smaller companies implementing a four-day work week. And so as an executive team, we had it on our docket to discuss how it might fit into both. And, you know, we firmly believe in action and we couldn't think of a good reason why this wouldn't work. It was kind of a no-brainer. That was my conversation back in October with the CEO of Bolt, Ryan Breslow, on the company's decision to try out a four-day work week. But clearly something wasn't quite working out with the company's culture as the 27-year-old Breslow is now out as CEO. Bloomberg is now reporting he will become executive chair. For more on all this, I'm joined by Bloomberg's Katie Roof. Katie, a lot going on here. Ryan Breslow, a very prolific tweeter and especially over the last few days. What can you tell us? Sure, yeah, good to be with you. Um, yeah, this company has been the talk of the town lately. Uh, certainly many people in the VC and startup community bring this company up in conversation, partly because, um, as you mentioned, uh, the CEO had a pretty lengthy Twitter thread the other day in which he accused uh, Stripe and Y Combinator and also the media of having some sort of mafia making it so that other startups couldn't succeed or something like that. But it was interesting because here they just became a decacorn and raised an $11 billion valuation. But he was trying to say that, you know, Stripe made it difficult for them. And, and certainly that tweet generated a lot of controversy and, and negative tweets from a lot of some some defensive tweets, uh, but a lot of negative tweets from the VC community. Well, let's talk a little bit more about this $11 billion valuation that seemed to come out of nowhere. The claim that BlackRock led the round, BlackRock then saying they didn't lead the round. What's happening here? Yeah, that that's interesting and certainly something we have asked about. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you know, just less than two years ago, they were not even a unicorn. Um, and then all of a sudden last year, they say they raised it a $4 billion valuation and then a $6 billion valuation and then an $11 billion valuation. And then um, so, you know, it does feel to some people in Silicon Valley like they kind of came out of nowhere. I mean, they have been around longer than that, but, but you know, they have been suddenly raising at a time when, in fairness, many startups have been raising at high valuations, especially in the fintech category. But um, there have been people that have said quietly and now publicly on Twitter that they didn't feel that um, Bolt, you know, warranted the valuation. Um, there have been tweets with people saying that they didn't have revenue that match what they thought the valuation would be. Um, but Bolt saying, oh, all these VCs, it's because they're investors in Stripe or they have their own interests. But there's certainly been a lot of controversy that's generated around their valuation. And then, of course, um, the tweets. And now, and now today you have the CEO saying that he stepped down. Now, talk to us about 
these valuations, obviously everyone is worried about the next Theranos, and yet valuations seem to keep going up and up and up. How are investors, you know, kind of balancing that, you know, this learning that they need to be a little bit more skeptical with the fury and enthusiasm and the amount of capital that is available? Sure. And the funny thing is investors in Silicon Valley, they like to say Theranos wasn't a Silicon Valley company because it was mostly not institutional VCs, although they did have Tim Draper in it. But, um, you know, even still, there, there was WeWork, which, you know, is now a public company, but certainly went through a very rough patch. And, um, you know, some other companies that have gotten a lot of scrutiny. And so, you know, there is a wariness and, and concern where, on the one hand, um, VCs do feel they need to pay the price to get in and get access to some of the best, you know, rounds. But a lot of times they're betting on unproven businesses. They're betting on people claiming that they are going to do what they say that they're going to do and that they've already, you know, uh, they're trusting that they've, um, that they're telling the truth. And so, um, in this very competitive environment, a lot of times the due diligence periods have gotten really short and people aren't spending as much time as they used to um, looking into rounds and vetting them because um, if they're, you know, waiting around asking too many questions, then they've missed out and they haven't gotten access to the round. But, you know, we're seeing um, some people getting a little spooked because public markets, uh, public tech stocks aren't doing as well as they used to, right. and and so people are you know scaling back a little bit. All right. Well, we'll continue to wait for more details from you. The, the story behind the story, Bloomberg's Katie Roof. Thank you for that update. And that does it for this edition of Bloomberg Technology. Make sure to tune in throughout the week. We're going to continue our coverage of tech earnings. Alphabet Tuesday, Meta Wednesday, and more coming up on Thursday. Amazon and more. You don't want to miss our analysis. I'm Emily Chang in San Francisco. This is Bloomberg. What is good, agents? Welcome to the 21st episode of the Mission Report podcast. Today, it is just myself and Neil Smith. Go ahead, OXG is going through some wild shit. If you guys check his Twitter or his Instagram, you'll see all that stuff going on. Um, I hope I hope you get your situation if you listen to this, bro. Uh, sorted out by the time this goes live or, or, or by the time that we talk to you in the next episode. Presumably next week, because it looks like we're moving to a weekly format. Is that not right, Neil Smith? It is right. Um, we decided since it's easier for us to stream on um, Spotify, Apple, um, and all our, all our other platforms, why not just do it on a weekly basis and we get to engage with you guys even more? Um, so we're looking forward to that. It's going to be a lot of work, but you know, we're up to the challenge, aren't we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, definitely. You know, excited, excited, excited. Lazy, son. Huh? Listen here, <laughs> Mister. Not... I don't want to spend ten extra dollars for a game. Don't talk I to don't me care. about lazy. No. Okay, guys. No, guys. Before we start recording, we were talking about um, Horizon, um, the Forbidden West. And I said, yeah, that game looks real good. I'm playing Horizon Zero Dawn right now on PS4. Um, the game mechanics are could be a little better, and Part Two looks like improvements. But I told Sid, it's like, look, I'm not paying um, $60 on a PS4 just to end up paying $10 later on a PS5 edition. So I rather, I told Sid, once I get a PS5, I'll pay the 70 
Because to me, it doesn't. I don't see a sense of having a PS4 copy and a PS5 copy. Because once I have a PS5, I'm done with my PS4, and that's why I hate the fact that Sony does that $10 price increase once you if you want to switch a game to a PS5. Just saying. And so I was saying, you're going to pay $70 regardless for the game, right? It's not a $10. You're not paying. I mean, you, you, what you're really doing is you're preventing yourself from having to buy the game two times, spending 60 and then 70 which is $130. Instead, you pay 80 you get your PS4 version and your PS5 version so you can play the game now just in case it takes you six months to a year to get the PS5. And that way, you don't got to worry about spoilers. Then if you want to go back and replay on your PS5, transfer your save data, all that bullshit, you can. But my man said he don't want to pay the extra, what's really $10, because you get the, you know, you get the PS4 and PS5 for 80. The base version of the game on the PS5 is 70. My brother said no. Now I was telling him all the shit you get on uh for for the for the $80 digital deluxe edition, which I'm not gonna buy. And the only reason I'm not gonna buy it is because I don't need the PS4 version at all. However, DLC is tempting. Y'all know that I I, I do get tempted by by little extras because it's cool. But my man said, no, he don't want to pen t- spend those extra $10. And was making all kinds of excuses about what he could do with those that extra $10. And I, I was just like, it's, it's $10, dog. Um, and and, and, and he, he basically told me, uh, shut the fuck up. Um, it's his $10 to spend how he wants. So, you know, did, I'm not going to tell a man how to spend his money. And look, I'm going to keep cutting him off. But <laughs> I'm not going to tell how to spend his money. But I'm just saying, dog. The agent is ten dollars, and and so you know, um, that's all we had to say about the subject. <clears throat> that's all I had to okay, say. Okay, first, first off, you you left out the fact that the eighty dollars version, yes, it it is the PS4 and PS5 edition, and also it comes with art books, DLC, and all this other shit. One thing you guys need to learn about me, I'm frugal. Okay, I don't, I'm as not paying fuck. anything more. Yes, frugal as fuck. I am not paying anything more than sixty dollars for a video game. All I care Except about the PS5 games. F- well, well, I knew a PS5 game, so it'll be 70, and that's gonna be my baseline too. Like 70, and that's it. You ain't getting nothing else from me. I don't care about uh, art book. I don't care about the exclusive music, even though I'm sure all that stuff is amazing. I don't give a fuck. Just give me the game. That's all I care about. I'm, I'm not, I'm not paying all that money for shit. Unless someone wants to buy it for me, then hey, maybe. <laughs> Maybe we could work something out, but uh, bro, <laughs> bro, I'm not 70 and 60 is it for me, bro. Like, I'm not, I'm not doing that. Point so there point. you have it, y'all. That's what we were talking about before. Um, and, uh, yeah, so, uh, I, we should just jump into some, some topics before, you know, we, we kind of ramble at each other some more about $10. Um, so <laughs> I, I am cheap. I don't care. <laughs> so, <laughs> So, sorry, y'all. This is just too funny to me. This is too funny. Um, all right. So we know Activision has been scooped up by Xbox, which is low key. I feel like they want to be the Disney of, of, of gaming in terms of just buying up everything they can possibly buy. Um, Neil Smith and I have talked about this a little bit, but Neil Smith, do you want to start with your thoughts on this purchase and what this could mean? for xbox and the gaming industry at large yeah yeah for sure so um microsoft bought activision and blizzard um same companies and shit but um when i first heard this news at first i didn't think it was like real and then i had to read a couple articles because you know like people always post fake stuff on the internet Mm -hmm. 
But then I read a couple articles and found out it was true. And then I was sitting down in the chair saying, Xbox, is, Microsoft isn't playing. You know what I mean? They got, when the PS4 came out, that was a superior console at the time. And when the new Xbox at that time came out, I believe it was the Xbox X, um, they were talking about all this digital stuff. Um, talking about uh, you can't buy CDs on your console, da da da. They didn't have exclusives at the time, um, and Sony was just killing them. And the PS4 console at the time was superior; like it was definitely a superior console. Um, and Microsoft, I think that shook Microsoft a lot. Um, we all know the first studio that they bought was Bethesda, um, which a lot of people thought that was a great move because it, it granted them exclusives. But now with this acquisition um, in the works, um, to me, it's like Microsoft getting the second Infinity Stone. <laughs> like, pretty much. Um, because, you know, this, this, change the games, this changes the game and market a lot, right? So we all know games that Activision produces and one of the biggest ones and the things that our people are concerned about is obviously Call of Duty um, we probably get into that argument a little bit later um, but yeah that's one of the biggest concerns and a lot of people are wondering what's Sony gonna do right um, with this acquisition and a lot of, and something else that you guys have to realize too is that you guys think that Microsoft is gonna make changes right away it's not going to happen that quick and easy. Um, this acquisition could take one to two years. Um, I'll be surprised if it doesn't go through. I don't see any reason why it wouldn't go through. Um, that's my opinion. I do not think it's a monopoly. That was another thing people were concerned about. Um, it's because of the fact Microsoft's been buying all these studios. But I personally don't see it as a, a monopoly. Um, now, if they kept on buying up a bunch of game studios left and right, then we'll have some type of concern. But to me, I don't think this is a concern. I think it's a smart move by Microsoft. Uh, I told Sid, though, I was kind of shocked that they spent that much money, especially during um, all the allegations that are going on with Activision. But then looking back at it, it's probably the perfect time, right? Because... We don't hear any type of allegations like this at Microsoft. Um, and Microsoft hasn't been on the news for these type of allegations. So maybe they're the right, right company um, to help put them back in line. Um, but I do think it's a smart move by Activision, I mean by Microsoft. And I'm really looking forward to see what's going to happen next. Uh, I, I'm interested to see what this means for World of Warcraft, Overwatch. Um, and the biggest one is obviously Call of Duty. So, what do you think, bro? Um, me personally, I it's a big deal because it happened, but I also feel like it's not a big deal. And like you said, it takes it's gonna take them what two, three years probably before things really start to actually change. I mean, they're gonna have all kinds of organizational changes in, inside. Obviously, Bobby Kotick for whatever reason still the CEO of 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 uh of uh activision blizzard which is a whole other problem uh, allegedly according to xbox they have no plans on swapping him out yet which is a problem i think because i don't think you can it buy a problematic sense, company and then keep the person that is the problem because he is the abuser 
Um, and he's the one that they put out a statement basically saying, like, what the fuck? Um, so to me, I think that like the first thing they gotta do before anything else is get is fix their structure and get rid of dude. Um, especially if they want people to actually support this purchase, because if we're five years down the road and he's still the CEO, I think that's gonna be a problem. I think regardless of whether they fix the ins the 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 structure in terms of oh well we have unions now which we'll you know get into some of that stuff later but and we have you know <clears throat> people like better hr uh practices regardless that dude's got to go like that's a point blank period end of discussion in my opinion i don't think there's i don't think there's a discussion around that but um uh, I think that it's interesting for the gaming comp gaming industry, but I don't think a lot's going to change except for Xbox and Game Pass users specifically. I don't see World of Warcraft being becoming an exclusive. That makes zero sense to me. I don't see Overwatch becoming an exclusive. It's those titles are too big, right? Same thing with Call of Duty. Those three titles to me are just so big that I don't know if you can make them into exclusives and also have the fan base support you conti continue to support you. Because they, they are such monolithic uh, brands, especially World of Warcraft, even more so than, than Call of Duty, just because it's like a legacy brand, right? It's so, it's so goddamn old. Um, I don't think those things are going to change. I think all this does for Xbox is give them the ability to create new IPs that are exclusive to them, which at this point with, with, with this purchase and their past purchase, that's all I'm interested in seeing is like, are you going to make new IPs or are you just going to take existing IPs and make them uh, exclusives? Which I really hope they don't do because I I personally find that to be, I wouldn't go as far as to say anti-consumer, but I personally find that like annoying, right? It's like, so you're saying this game, this franchise that people have been paying forever is no longer accessible to them unless they buy your shit. Um, I know companies do that all the time, but I will say I can see why people on other platforms would be annoyed. Um... Because at the end of the day, it's like, this doesn't change the industry at all. This just gives you more money. I would just like to see Xbox push these 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 companies and these studios that they've bought to make new IP that's more interesting, that can give Xbox more brand recognition. Because something that we've talked about in the previous episodes of the podcast, me and uh, Anth have talked about separately, is I feel like Xbox and Sony are playing two very different games right now. Yeah, um, I agree with that. Um, but I want to go back to um, your first st statement about the CEO. I don't think I think Microsoft is going to get rid of him because of all the allegations. But the thing is, in the middle of an acquisition, that's kind of difficult to do, right? Because there's things that on the business front of things that he needs to handle before the acquisition becomes um, um, available to Microsoft fully. I think once Microsoft has control of everything, yeah, he's out the door. Um, there's, in my opinion, there's no questions about that. Um, if they do decide to let him stay, then that's going to be very shocking. Um, but I don't see them keeping him on board, to be completely honest. So, like I said, usually during acquisitions, you don't want to change the CEO of a company right away. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't think it was right away. I think the issue is just that when they were asked about it, they said they have no plans of getting rid of him at the at currently. I think that's... Well, the, yeah. I, I, I think that, like, publicly, like, I, I get why you would say that, kind of, but at the same time, it's like, this is so big, you're you're almost better off not 
going with the standard response because uh, I mean I get that but I feel like either way like people are gonna still see that he's still there for now I think that was just their way of saying yeah he's gonna be there but not for long motherfucker <laughs> like, I hope not I, I really hope not because uh that would yeah that would be a obviously a huge problem <laughs> yeah that that would definitely look bad on Microsoft um and um for sure um, but I do agree with you when it comes to exclusives. Like, I'm glad it's cool that they bought Activision and Blizzard. Um, but I want to see what kind of exclusives they're going to make for uh, the Xbox now. Um, but I, as for games like Overwatch and um, World of Warcraft, I, do, I don't see those exclusively being on Microsoft for, um, platforms. To be completely real with you. Uh, I I can see those being used on multiple platforms and right. just just a way of them getting some type of revenue uh, because like you said those games are too big and the legacy behind them is is just way too big for it to be exclusively on a Microsoft um, type platform and that's the same thing with Call of Duty and a lot of people were concerned about Call of Duty and how it might not be on PlayStation well. Right now, during this acquisition, um, Sony already made a contract with Activision for Call of Duty games. So they have, the deal was for at least, I believe, two years. So that's still intact, right? Right. Uh, but after the acquisition uh, period is over, who knows what happened? But again, that's another game I don't see exclusively beyond on beyond on Xbox. I could see Xbox getting more exclusive DLC than a PS5, um, and maybe they might shoot something for PS5 edition, um, for the players, but as of right now, um, I do not see that just being exclusively for Microsoft. Um, yeah, I agree 100%. Yeah, and I, another thing that me and you were talking behind the scenes is the business model that Microsoft is doing, and why I love it. Um, I love the fact that their streaming, their Xbox Game Pass, is really working in their benefit and i feel like if i'm a streamer i would definitely love to have the xbox gamer pass because on the last show um gohan was talking about scarlet nexus and i would say you know what i want to get that game but it's made by bandai and i see <laughs> how they how they produce anime games and stuff and i'm just not a fan but I've been hearing great things about this game and how it's not like other anime-style um, video games. It's very unique. Um, and I feel like if I had the Xbox Gamer Pass, that will be something I'll play um, off-stream because I, instead of paying the full 60 bucks for the game. You know what I mean? Because it, it's, it has an asterisk next to it, and it's questionable. And I hate spending $60 on a game that's tr crappy. So I feel like with the Xbox Gamer Pass, it works in the benefit of streamers where they don't have to continue to pay um, exorbitant amount of money for video games. Um, their cloud system is very good, um, and not only and not only do you have to you, can you play the games on your Xbox, you can play on your PC as well too. So you don't need an Xbox or a Gamer Pass; you can just play your games on PC, which is what Sid does right now. Um, and I think this is something that Sony needs to do in order to compete. I also think that Sony needs to make their game exclusives 
um, on PC day one instead of waiting so long because that's what the, the, the developers are asking for too. Um, a lot of the developers have been pushing Sony um, that make games exclusively for that brand to push their games on PC. Um, and I, I get why Sony doesn't do it, but I'm glad that they're doing it now. But I think in order to compete with Xbox, they need a good streaming service, um, something that could compete with Xboxes, a good cloud system, and also their games, um, their game exclusives being on PC on day one. Um, that's just my opinion. Um, what do you think, Sid? Um, I mean, I personally am of the opinion that, like, Xbox, because Xbox and, and Sony are playing two very different games, they're also not competing with each other in the way that they used to and in the way that I think people think that they should be anymore. Um, because I feel like it's a battle of Xbox just has a bunch of shit. And, like, not in, like, a derogatory way. What I mean by that is I don't care about Xbox's brand in the slightest. And that's not me being a Sony pony or a con or a place or a uh, PC elitist. What I'm saying is that like, if a game comes out on all on the PC, PlayStation and Xbox, the first thing I will consider is PlayStation. I won't even look at Xbox. I can play it on all three platforms. I won't even think about Xbox. I don't I don't care about their platform, right? They don't have anything except for like Halo and Gears. That makes me go, oh, I associate that with Xbox, and I'm interested in copying it. Meanwhile, on PlayStation, one, that's where a lot of my friends play, but, you know, crossplay is becoming more of a thing, so I just buy things on PC because mods and experience, blah, 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 blah. But, like, I think what Xbox needs to do, personally, is they need more brand recognition in their games, not just in services that they can provide. Um, because the only things that, again, I you can think of for Xbox are Halo Gears, Forza, right? Forza's on Xbox, right? That's, yeah, that's, the, Xbox, that's Xbox, the Xbox yeah. racing game. Gran Turismo's the, yeah. the, the Sony one. Um, Correct. And, like, to me, that's, I mean, that's fine, I guess, but at the end of the day, Sony's the one that's going to keep getting all the game awards. Sony's the one that's going to continue to be in the public eye because of shit like Ghost of Tsushima, Spider-Man, God of War, Horizon. Like, they have things that actually make you go, oh, I know this brand, I relate to this brand, I want to give them more money. They are more of a traditional um, PR marketing machine when it comes to their titles. I personally like that more because I get more excited about what they're doing. Xbox is like, currently, until they make new IP, which I'm hoping these new studios will encourage them to make new IP so they can get more brand recognition outside of, I give you five bucks. I mean... So this is what me, DRG, Alpha, and some of our other streamer friends do. We buy Xbox Game Pass for a month, we cancel it, and then we don't use it for another six or seven at all. Um, and then when they do a special and I can get it for cheap, um, I'll re-up for that month and spend like $2 or whatever it is. And then I'll play whatever it is I wanted to play for a couple days, and then I cancel it and uninstall. I do not, and I'm sure that there are a lot of other people who do the same thing. I don't give these motherfuckers $15 every month. Because while being the Netflix of games is cool, even as a streamer, I don't play games that much to where downloading an unlimited library to maintain for, for X amount of dollars every month interests me. 
because everything that's on there I can either play on my PlayStation or on Steam or I've already played or I have access in some other way and I can just keep it forever without having to pay for it month to month. Um, so that's all I want. I mean, I, I, I think that they're playing two very different games and I would just like for Xbox to start producing more things that feel iconic that aren't from when I was a child. I could, I could get that. And I think that's with them buying all these studios. Um, I would hope that that's something that they do. Like, I know one of the exclusives that Bethesda is making right now for Xbox, I believe it's Starfield. Yeah, which is bullshit. Um, <laughs> because originally it was going to be for everybody. <laughs> it's so annoying, but continue, sorry. Damn. You really do sound like a Sony pony when you say No, bro, because it's like, <laughs> it's like dog, I, 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 I like, I wanted to just, I mean, granted, I'm probably just going to get it on PC anyway, but like now it's like, damn, does that mean I have to get it through the game? Like, can I not get it on Steam? Like, that's my thing. I just want to get it on Steam, dog. I don't I don't want to have to maintain Game Pass for this shit. That's how I feel. I don't I don't want to maintain the Game Pass. I don't... I, no. Please don't make me pay $15 a month for one game. I don't... I'm not doing that. $10 a month. No, I, it's $15. <laughs> if uh, you want the ultimate it, pass so that I can access it on uh, on everything. Uh, well, you better talk up that 15 so the fuck it's five, no. extra, it's five extra dollars Sid huh oh you're funny but you know what you know what that five extra dollars gets paid every day in perpetuity yeah, okay. not one yeah. time dog yeah, <laughs> yeah I'm sure yeah, look 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 excuses uh, yeah so okay. so anyway for those listening if you want the game pass ultimate so that you can play um on on like PC it's like fourteen ninety nine. I mean if you buy the then not, I'm, I'm literally over here right now canceling my subscription because I don't use it. I haven't used it in like three months. Um, <laughs> the PC Game Pass, you can get one that's $9.99 as well, but it doesn't come with like, uh, what does it come with? Like Xbox Live Gold. So obviously, if you want to be playing live online with people, you, you need you need the, the Ultimate Pass. So, so wait a minute. With Sony, if they do, the talk is, rumors going on is that Sony is developing... Um, their own streaming service. Mm-hmm. What at what price do you think Sony needs to put theirs at to compete with Microsoft? I mean, same thing, nine ninety nine or fourteen ninety nine. I, I think because people obviously are willing to pay it. I, I think once you start talking about twenty bucks a month, hell no, that's not gonna happen. Nobody's. Gonna I feel pay. like Sony's gonna do that. No offense, like no, no one's gonna pay twenty bucks a month. I mean, I'm not paying twenty bucks a month either. I, I, like, I think you. No, go ahead. Sorry, my bad. My bad. Uh, no, you go. You go. I was going to say, I think it depends on, like, dog, what am I getting? I got to get a lot of shit for $20 a month. I don't know what I need. I don't know what I need, but I need a lot of shit. I need to go, oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) I need need a lot of shit for 20 bucks a month. I better be able to roll some kind of ads, or not ads, some kind of something into my shit for 20 bucks a month. So, like, my Netflix, I don't know. But, um, but yeah, um, I've I've heard some rumors, um, about that, too. I just... Pricing, pricing, it's all going to come down to pricing. Yeah, that's all I really care about right now because I'm not paying $20 a month for that. Netflix is already increasing their price on streaming service. And like, yeah, I know, right? And I'm hoping Sony doesn't make theirs $20 a month, but I feel like they are. And if they do do that, they have to, like you said, 
they have to sell me on a lot of shit because twenty dollars is a lot of money, bro. Yeah, yeah. It, yeah, it's a lot. Yeah, it's got to be astro astronomical in terms of like the benefits. Now, granted, I, from what I've seen and heard, there's gonna be multiple tiers. So if the most expensive tier is twenty and the cheapest is five, we can talk about it. I'll probably never go for that twenty dollar tier, but like we can talk about it. That's kind of how I feel about it. If like if if it's a tiered system fine i mean sure somebody's gonna be willing to some sony pony's gonna be willing to pay 20 bucks a month i'm not um unless you better it better include crunchyroll it better include because it, it technically can because crunchyroll was bought by funimation which is owned by sony fun fact so like right I if, saw it, that. if it starts to include my crunchy and my funimation okay all right we can i'll think about it because i'm already giving them like five ten dollars a month anyway so like it's got to include. It's got to. It's got to be very, very inclusive of, of stuff. I, I. That's all I got to say about it. So I was just thinking to myself, if they make it twenty dollars, I want the service to be shared between me and another person. Mm, mm, yeah, that'd be it, nice. That would work. I, I think I'll pay twenty dollars for that. Yeah. And I'll probably share it with my brother, and he'll give me like ten dollars each month. Yeah. For it at the same that'd be, time. That'd be worth it. I mean, yeah, they can I do think... it. Go ahead, my bad. I keep cutting you off. Uh, no, you're fine. I was, I, I was going to say, I think that would work for Sony, and I think that would make it um, be a great um, streaming platform yeah. if they could make it a shareable service. Yeah, I, I think piggybacking off of that, they should do what Nintendo does. They have the family plan for like thirty-five bucks a month, and you can share it with up to eight people. I think eight consoles or some shit for the Nintendo. That's for the online, but like I know people. Who do that? They just spent. They they have eight people. They share the online with, and they just split thirty five divided by eight, and that's what they pay for everybody. So like, if 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 I will say if my if uh, PlayStation gives that kind of option, oh son, hell yeah, that I mean that's a no brainer. Because at that point yeah. it's like I get you, I'll get DRG, I'll get Alpha, get a, just a handful of people, and we just split it between like however whatever the maximum cap is, we just split it between that amount of people. Yeah, I think that'll be a good um. I definitely think that'll be a good service. And the thing is, Sony has the catalog to do it, as well as games that are multi-platform too. Another thing that I think Sony definitely needs to get better on, and I told you this in um, previous conversations, they have to like they have to advertise their indie games a lot more better. Um, mm. I know, I know they talk about yeah, we care about indie game developers, but a lot of indie game developers that put their stuff on Sony have been complaining about how they, the lack of advertisements that they're getting and the prices that they had to pay to put their stuff on Sony. That has to change. And I think that's one thing that Microsoft streaming service has the advantage of. Um, people have a lot more access accessibility to indie games. Um, indie game um, developers said that it is much easier to put stuff on the Microsoft store compared to Sony. So I mm -hmm. think that's something Sony does have to fix. Because I'm on the I was on the PlayStation store yesterday, you know, just browsing through and I'm just going through all these indie games and there's this indie game that I never heard of and I was like, yo, I think it looks real good. And I'm like surprised Sony didn't advertise it as much. And probably didn't advertise it as much as because people didn't download it as much. But right. still if you if you're gonna base your advertisement on that then that's not going to help a lot of indie game developers. You got to advertise to games a lot more better, in my opinion. But, yeah. I wouldn't disagree to that.
always helps make everybody a little bit of money right exactly you know exactly exactly another it's funny too like there was another rumor going around that um sega might be purchased by <laughs> xbox but I, I don't know how how that would work on in all honesty and I don't think they would want to buy Sega. Yeah, I, mean, I, I, I personally, I here and, and I've, I said this kind of in passing with you and, and Gohan. All right, cool. They bought these studios. Stop buying these damn studios and make some games. That's where I'm at now with Xbox. I'm like, please stop buying studios, dog. Stop throwing your your money around. Make some games, please. Like, right. I, I, that's kind of where I'm at. Is like, please, I get it. You want to flex that you got cash. You're seventy-seven billion dollars in the hole, or whatever the hell it is, which is an astronomically high number, son. Just for context, agents, it would take seventy, no, like a hundred releases of Avengers Endgame and Infinity War in order for <laughs> in order for for a company to make that kind of money back. Like that's that's a it's lot of. Do it, like, I mean, well, the thing is, is it Microsoft or? xbox right like the difference of like microsoft as a whole yeah they can make that money back but can xbox make that investment back in a in a, in a decent amount of time you mean because, like microsoft gaming no I, I mean well like like microsoft if you know obviously if you're including like their computer software like their stuff that's not gaming related but if you're looking at the xbox division specifically of microsoft anything related to xbox and that's it not including Microsoft Word and all their other things that makes them shit tons of money every, I mean, every month, right? And it's just Xbox. How long would that take? And what would they have to do to do that? I think isn't as easy as it might appear when you're thinking about Microsoft as a whole and only thinking about just games. Mm. Because I don't, I don't know what there's. Uh, I'm sure that you could. It's probably searchable. Like they probably put a stat out there. I don't know what their like average amount of subscribers is every month. And like, I mean, we could do some math to try and figure out how much money they make month to month. But I don't know what their average and their operating costs. We have no idea what that is, right? But like, I don't know how much money they make off Game Pass per month consistently. When we know, at least from people that I've spoken to and know that we buy the shit for a month and then cancel it and only get it when it's, like, free or on sale. <laughs> Not, True. you know. But I'm sure they're making... I'm sure, like I said, like, I'm sure they can make that money. I mean, if, even if they're, they can't, I feel like Microsoft as a whole will still back them in some way. So it, the acquisition, the cost of the acquisition could, like, be dissolved. But I'm... Honestly, I'm not too worried about that. When I heard 70 billion, I was like, eh, okay. I mean, it's Microsoft. Like, that doesn't shock me at all. If you look at how much Microsoft made last year as a whole, it's, that's really like chunk change then. You know what I mean? I mean, so I'm not too worried about that. That's fair. Sure. I mean, I think as a whole it is, but you know, it, it always comes down to, you know, in companies like this though, how, what is your division doing to make money? Yes, we are making a bunch of money, but are you costing us too much money? Like, I think that like, yes, Microsoft is backing them, but the question still is like, okay, but 10 years from now, if we're still $70 billion, not that they would be, but we're still, you know, 
multiple billion dollars in the hole, I don't think that's that's not a conversation you want to have as an executive. Oh, you know absolutely I mean? not. Absolutely not. And I think and I think what um needs to happen is like you we said earlier, like Microsoft has to take advantage of these studios and make exclusives for them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They can't keep using Gears Warm and Halo, even though I love those games. Uh, but again, they can't keep on using the same games over and over again. So we'll see. And in the meantime, during this acquisition, it looks like Activision has finally developed their own union. Um, shocker. I mean, <laughs> after, right? After all these allegations, but you know, one of the things that I want to highlight is they're not the first gaming studio to uh, make a, a union. Um, the studio was Fudio Studios. Um, they formed the first gaming union. You gotta give them credit. Um, they're, and the sad thing about it is, like, if you compare their video game company to Activision, Activision is definitely more profitable has a lot more employees mm -hmm. but this gaming studio only has 12 employees and they were able to develop a union like really like I like like bro that doesn't make that doesn't make anyone look good i'm sorry but shout out to this that studio for doing that but on the real like y'all big gaming studios like activision ea and all that you guys should have this these type of unions established and i understand why people don't do unions right away because unions are expensive they're they're very expensive however you guys are gaming companies that make millions of dollars a year you definitely could form a union like it shouldn't have taken this long to form one especially with all these allegations that are going on so what are your thoughts about um, Activision forming this union, Sid? Finally, bruh. Finally, dog. That's all I gotta say. Finally. Um, hopefully, this this provides the safety net that they need. Um, and they can just fix their, their work culture, man. Like, I, I feel for the people in, in <laughs> people over there. Like, I, I really hope this is what they need to uh, to, to turn the ship around um, and kind of support, support the workers, the, the people that work there, the people that make you know, some 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 of our well, I shouldn't say hours and like hour in this call favorite games, but that make make some people's favorite games. You know what I mean? Like I, I really hope that this um this provides them what they need. Um and that more large studios follow suit. Right. I, I hope so too. Um I also hope with them forming these type of unions it reduces the amount of sexual allegations that are going on. Um, I also hope it changes the hours um, that these gaming developers have to work because crunch is a real thing. Um, a lot of pe people work um, crunch. They don't get paid overtime. Some of them barely get to see their families. That was something that we talked about um, in a couple podcasts ago that needs to change in this, uh, the gaming industry is the crunch. Like, it's a real thing. Uh, we know one of the studios that was about to do Crunch and they stopped was the studio that developed God of War. Remember we were talking about that? Mm -hmm. How they were... Yeah, Santa Monica, how they were close to um, 
working crunch hours on their game and developers. And I think that's one of the reasons why the original God of War that came out on PS4 um, got pushed back so much because they were trying to avoid crunch. Um, but then you hear big studios like Rocks, Rockstar, um, you hear about them and how the employees there complain about the hours they work um, and that they're not getting paid for it. And I don't blame them, man. That's that's something that needs to change. Um, and also, you shouldn't go to a work environment where you feel uncomfortable. You know what I mean? Like, you shouldn't be, you shouldn't feel like you have to do any type of sexual favors or be harassed because you're a woman at a work at a gaming studio. You should be able to go there, do your job, and go home. Point blank, period. And it's sad that um this stuff is coming out in the gaming industry like this uh, because it just gives us a bad name. The gaming industry a bad name. You know, we already have people complaining about how certain games are bad for kids and that's true and all but it just gives it a very negative connotation you know what I mean so with these allegations and these stories that are coming out it doesn't help at all so I hope for that these unions make better change I hope that employees feel much happier going to work Um, and I'm interested to see what happens in the future to be completely real with you yep Yep, the future of gaming right now is, uh, I would say it's bright, but it's, uh, it's gonna have its challenges, that's for damn sure. It is, and then there's already a story about Riot Gaming Games, uh, having to pay $100 million for gender uh, discrimination. Uh, I'm, I'm sure there's gonna be a lot more, uh, game studios coming out with the wet work about these type of allegations. I mean, it didn't stop from Activision. Like, Activision, to me, was the catalyst. And then mm-hmm. once they came out with all their um, lawsuits and stuff, all these game studios came out with, the, came out with lawsuits against mm-hmm. them. So I don't think it's going to be a never-ending battle. Um, it should, like I said, it's going to be interesting to see what happens next. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, the shit's going to just keep uh coming to light you know like they say everything you do in the dark eventually comes to light and like you know we we went through this with with hollywood um a few years ago and still are um and now it's the game industry's turn to have all its shit drag out of the drug out of the closet which is good it's i mean it's good that these things are coming to light obviously not good that they happened obviously um so yeah and you know not not to shit on league of legends players but like i'm not surprised dog just because of, like, even thinking about the people who play League of Legends and the shit that I've heard people say or, like, you know, things in that community that I'm like, God damn, I'm glad I never played this game because this shit's toxic yeah. as hell. Yeah. <laughs> Especially, um, like, the professional stuff. I heard a lot of racist comments and stories about e-gaming, mm. um, especially when it comes to games like that. Um, we could talk about that in another podcast or so, but... There's a lot of shit going on with that too. A lot of stories that came out last year Fuck. on that topic. Um, so, yeah, you know, the game industry just needs to change, man. Like, mm-hmm. all people want to do is play video games. You shouldn't just, you shouldn't like do any type of gender bias 
on an e-gamer because they're black, female, or anything like that. It doesn't matter what race you are. Everyone just wants to play a game and win money, bro. Like, yeah, it's just leave, crazy. leave them alone. Let them play the damn video games, man. That's it. Right, right. Um, well, it is. Uh, we're getting ready to wrap up. I'm, I wanted to talk about Cowboy Bebop on Netflix, but I was thinking let's wait till Gohan um, comes back because I really want to hear what his take on that is. But um, how do you feel about that? Um, the fact that they're not not getting a season two. Yeah, I y'all are gonna be like, damn, agent. I don't give a shit. Um. My personal thing is, <laughs> look, look, I, I don't give a damn, okay? So, I did not finish the series, but that's just because as I'm watching it, I'm going, man, I'm just going to go watch the anime. Um, I, it, it, go, it goes back to what I've always said about live action stuff for me personally. I don't care. 9.9 .9 times out of 10, I do not care about a live adaptation of an anime. It rarely ever is better or makes me go, damn, I appreciate this just as much as the anime. I didn't appreciate this in that way. It was fine. It existed. But that doesn't mean it needs to continue to exist. So me personally, I'm not surprised that Netflix canceled it. Because they, their metrics for what the, what they do and don't cancel can be a little, a little weird. I, I think they have uh, certain expectations of how they want things to be and that's their prerogative and i it's, it's their business whatever um i don't think it does needs a second season cuz even just the feedback i've seen from people in japan were like what the fuck and so if you can't make your home audience fall in love with you then get out the game and that's kind of how i feel about it yeah i mean I'm, I'm not gonna lie. I I like Cowboy Bebop season mm -hmm. one, um, and I guess the reason why I liked it is because I didn't really watch anime much as a kid, mm. right? And I never really got any. I never had any reason to watch it. I just knew the opening song for the anime was real good, right? Mm -hmm. And everyone always talked about that. I did watch the Cowboy Bebop movie, and I did mention that in the last podcast, and I did enjoy the movie. But what I will say about season one, I didn't think it was a patch. No, I mean, you guys have to understand something, and and I'm, when I say guys, I'm talking about Netflix, and I'm also talking about um, fanboys too. There, whenever you hear a live adaptation about any anime. Stop thinking about the actual anime because it's not going to be the same thing. What they can do is respect it and find ways to get some type of motivation from the anime and adapt it to the show. But if you if you're going to watch a live action show and then compare it to the anime, it's always going to fail. Point blank, period. And I feel like that's what happened with Cowboy Bebop. A lot of people were saying that the production was horrible. Um, they're saying this is the crappiest production from Netflix. I didn't think that. I thought the production for the show was brilliant. Mm -hmm. um, I thought the casting was cool. I didn't have a problem with the casting. Uh, I thought there were some episodes that I didn't like um, more compared to others, but I thought this. I thought it was good. What I think Netflix should have done, I don't think they should have canceled, honestly, season one. 
I think they should have just wait to season two and then cancel it because honestly, Cowboy Bebop didn't last that long originally, right? But I don't think they should have canceled it right off the rip for season like that. Um, what I do think would happen because there's a lot of people signing a pension to bring it back. I do see them making a movie, um, possibly depending on how these pensions go. Uh, talking about, you're talking about um, people signing uh, like petitions? Yeah, petitions. I'm saying pensions. Holy shit. Yeah, people, <laughs> <laughs> people sign petitions and shit to um, bring it back. Um, if it goes through, uh, I'm sure Netflix would take some time to consider um, their fans and what they want. But I don't think they'll make a full-on season. I'll think that I th- What I think they'll do is make a movie and end it from there. Um... Uh, but there's a lot of shows that Netflix canceled last year uh, that only had one season. There was this weird superhero show. Um, it was it was weird, bro. But I'm glad they canceled that because that was just, was just horrible. I forget the name of it. Oh, That's how Jupiter, bad. Jupiter, just Jupiter, yes. or some shit, some 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 shit. Yeah. Yes, that that was just weird, bro. Um, I like the ending of it though, but. I knew from watching that they weren't going to make a season two. So, I think Netflix, I think Netflix um, needs to like consider that when doing these live adaptation for animes, because one piece they're making a One Piece live adaptation, right? Mm-hmm. So, so I'm really curious to see how that goes because if you guys cancel Cowboy Bebop after season one, um, imagine what's going to happen in One Piece. Yeah. I'm just saying. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. And that's a hard one to do a live adaptation on. Because yeah. it could go in so many ways. Yeah. So many ways. I, I, You know, and y'all know I'm of this opinion. Stop making live adaptations of anime. Just stop. Because nine times out of ten, they're not good. They're not faithful. It just doesn't translate well. It's not... I think what people keep thinking is... Oh, it's like a comic book. Or, oh, it's like taking manga to anime. No, no, it's not. You're going from, like, three... Okay, so think about it like this. You're going from a manga to an anime and then to live action. You're translating this thing two times over, right? And, like... That might sound like it's easy on paper, but there are uh, there's a vision that a person has when they, when they draw a, a manga, right? And a lot of times they are drawn with an anime style in their head. That includes character designs, all that kind of stuff. There's a reason why with comic books, a lot of the times when things are, like when I talk, I'm talking DC or Marvel, they're drawn and they feel a little, they have a real more more realistic, air quotes, drawn design because they can be more easily translated into live action. They're not drawing them, envisioning it as, this is an animated series as I'm drawing this thing. So I can I'm gonna do all these crazy zany things. I don't say that DC and Marvel don't do that, but they also leave a certain door open to where it makes sense to do a live action adaptation, right? With manga, right. that's not the point. The point is for it to get to an anime. Their their goal, their end goal is not a live action adaptation. And I think that is where a lot of American studios and American, you know, entertainers and production companies lose they lose that viewpoint in their head they don't they don't get that 
right? It, and and I think that like you can do these things, but honest to God, I think the best way to do it, stop making adaptations and just make something in the universe of this animated of this anime. So for example, uh, this is this is something that I think would be a really cool live action thing that you could do. You could do like sort of online, but just don't use Kirito and all the main characters. Literally make a side story, a alternative story that takes place within the same universe and just use different characters and like just populate more things into that universe. I think that would be way more interesting for a lot of these adaptations and it would give the creators more freedom and it would make it so that fans aren't like, yo, that's not what Luffy would say or do or Spike or whoever. Like, you're making shit so much harder for yourselves. And that's why I think a lot of times these anime adaptations fail, personally. It's not just the American studios, too. Like, some of the Japanese studios that make the live adaptations aren't... They, they're not just... They're not good. Like, Attack on Titan wasn't good. Full Metal Alchemist wasn't good. Bleach wasn't good. Um, the I only think, one though, that was with, with those, though, like, they know they know what they're doing. Right, like they're not, they're 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 literally trying, like when you look at their designs, they're literally wearing cosplays, like like I, I feel like with. I mean, with, yeah, of course they they do, but it's still not that great either. I think the only good one was, in my opinion, was Roni Kenshin. Roni Kenshin I, was I thought, solid. Yeah, but like, you're right. They do respect the anime with the costumes. Um, and I and I wear. think with with them, it's not for us, right? Well, it, that, it's for Japan. And, like, in Japan, like, that kind of humor and that kind of shit, like, that's, that's what they do. But, like, here, it's, like, we try to Americanize them as well when we make, like, the the these other versions. And, like, we try to keep it, like, kind of for the West. And, I mean, appeal to Japan a little bit. But in Japan, like, it's not for us. Not saying that we can't have an opinion. But I am saying, like, the, the audience and their intent is, generally speaking, way different than ours. But you see, that's the thing about Cowboy Bebop, now that you mention that, it's like, I felt like with Cowboy Bebop, they respected the anime and the culture of Japan, um, similar to like how they will make their live adaptations mm-hmm. of mov- of a movie. Um, I just think the show didn't resonate with people. And then I also think, and I think it didn't resonate with people is because people that watch anime were always making comparisons. Mm-hmm. But in my in my opinion, I thought I thought it was close to the anime, but I'm not gonna say that it it hit it right on the head, right? I thought right, that right. they respect. I want to. I don't. I shouldn't say close, but I think they. Right. I'm trying to say is, I thought they respected the anime mm-hmm. enough with how the show was made, but that's just my opinion. That's fair. Yeah, I mean, I think that they did try their best to pay uh, homage to to the anime and stuff like that. I think it just goes back to this thing of, like, you know, like video game movies and anime movies, people go in there expecting it to be doo-doo. <laughs> like, I, I think there, there's, there's so many bad ones that you're contending with people comparing you to the bad ones and expecting you to be like that. But also you have the people who are excited and compare you to the anime. And then you have, like, the few people in the middle. Like, I, I feel like there are a lot of people on... There are less people in the middle than there are on the polar ends, which makes sense just because Cowboy Bebop is so goddamn popular. It's not obscure. They picked, like, one of the most popular anime of all time. Yeah. You know? And right. if that's what... if that I can only imagine what's going to happen with One Piece because uh, I can only imagine what that's going to be. 
what that's gonna be like. That's gonna be interesting. I'm 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 really waiting for the first trailer to premiere. Mm-hmm. Are we, did they say when the show was supposed to come out? I don't remember. I just remember seeing a key visual of of the dude in the Luffy costume, and yeah, that was interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, yeah, that was a. Uh, that already told me I'm not watching this shit. I ain't gonna lie to y'all. I saw that. I said, "Nah, I'm good." <laughs> you, never wa- you, you never watch One Piece again with it. That, you? I I've watched. Uh, when I was a kid, I watched through the four kids dub. So that was up until I like that's that's like what twenty something episodes up uh, to uh what's his name? Not is is it Arlong the uh the 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 dude the the swordfish nose dude? Yeah, Arlong. Yeah. Yeah. That that's literally as much of as One Piece as I've seen. Um, and like bits and pieces that people have shown me that I know of because of other games, but I have not watched One Piece since, in earnest since. That's fair. That's how I uh, started watching One Piece. Um, it was from the four kids, and I was like, damn, this shit fire. <laughs> yeah, I really liked it. I was really interested in it as a kid, and then it disappeared. For a while and then it came back and it was it took it took a while for it to come back in the u.s and like i just never got into it because i just don't want to watch a thousand something episodes. i just don't I, I i really don't yeah because they put it on adult swim and mm-hmm. then once they put it on adult swim more of more episodes started coming out past our long um storyline story arc yeah i don't know Someday, maybe I'll sit down and give it a try. But I know I'm not watching the Netflix shit. I'm just not. Uh, I'm not unless unless you or uh, another One Piece head is like, "Hey, yo, you need to watch it." I have no intention of watching it. I, I just don't. Well, I'm gonna watch it because I'm a One Piece head. I don't know if I'm gonna like it. Right. But if I do, I'll definitely let you know for sure. Yeah, let me know, and and I'll I'll at least I'll at least try it so that I can say, "Ill" or "Yay," <laughs> earnestly. Sounds good, bro. I got you. And don't play me either. All right? I know. I know you try to get me back for Outriders, but nah, I, I'm not. I won't play you on that. Like, that definitely won't play you. I'll It'll be deserved, that. but I'm. I'm just kindly asking. Please don't. Oh, I got you. Don't worry. All right. All right. All right. But all right, agents. I think that wraps it for today. Um, I hope you guys like our new weekly format. So. You know, if all things go into plan, we should see you again next week. Um, ideally, these episodes will probably come out every Monday. Um, but as we kind of work out our schedule, we'll, we'll figure that out and uh, all that good stuff. But um, Neil Smith, as always, thank you for being such an amazing producer. Thanks, bro. Like, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for you being know. an amazing director. Oh, man. Appreciate it. Look at that. See, see, we don't always shit on each other, y'all. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Once the mic comes off, though. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Once we go offline, though. Fuck you, man. Uh, anyway, y'all, we'll see you in the next episode. Appreciate you. Peace. Peace. It's gonna always do this now. What's going on? And I can't even be mad at it.
It won't let both join through there. Oh. One has to join through oh, there, yeah, one has to join through Craig in here. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, Craig is not the problem. Gearc is. Oh, damn. They just know. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. right. when, when you're a person of faith, you don't have to see everything to believe it. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, I know, because you have faith that it is that way until you go see it and you fucking abandon all faith because you realize that bullshit you read is a lie. Like, well, I think, I think part not- of it is, uh, welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Everyday Black Men Podcast, a podcast with authentic black male thoughts. I'm Reich, and I'm joined by R. Reed, Armstead, and DJ All Might. Follow us on Twitter, EVYD Black Men, Instagram, Everyday Black Men, and the Everyday Black Men Facebook page. We also have our Patreon. We have all kinds of exclusive content, video reveal coming very, very soon. And it's going to hit Patreon first and then YouTube second. So if you want to be part of it, you got to join the Patreon. Uh, you know, our website is www.everydayblackmen.com. But getting back to the point that uh, DJ was saying, as you know, this is a companion episode to the other podcasts, which uh, we are tentatively calling uh, the Book of Deuteronomy. <laughs> and uh, part of the reason we're calling it tentatively that is just because those brothers went in a lot on the Book of Deuteronomy. I know some of you may not have listened to that episode because uh, for whatever change reason. It, change it to read that. That's the name of read that. Every time he said that, I was like, talking to me. Right, I thought he was at first, and I was like, oh, they, they out here Styles P and Jada kissing right now. Three, brother. <laughs> they were, they were Styles P and Jada yeah, kissing it. But it, was, it was interesting to hear kind of, again, worldview. I think that's something that is lost amongst so many people is that they don't have a specific worldview. Even if your worldview is, as you said on the podcast, um, DJ All Might, you were like, hey, I'm agnostic. It means I don't think that there's not a God. I just don't know if the God is your God, that God, or some other God, or if there right, are right. even our gods. And we have just, to have that level of people being able to discuss ideas. Because right. while like the, some... Uh, go, go, ahead, ahead. go ahead. No, no, no. no, 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 no. Could you, I always over-talk you, you, DJ All Might. Go into yeah, your Yeah, but I, I, I am a, such a very uh, argumentative yeah. person. And for recreation, I, I, I cut in a lot, too. So that's what I'm saying. Go. No, man, you don't... You don't Look, we ain't yeah, right right too nice. Twenty twenty-two, man. You're too, you're too like nice, nigga. You're too y'all nice. keep it up. Y'all, y'all niggas keep it up. I, I, listen, I, I purposely I to you be went, quiet. I went into this episode not drinking. Don't make me drink. All right. <laughs> anyway, if you were drunk I, in that episode, oh my god, it would have been fun. But I, I'm a little mad because I'm, I'm paying for some some bad decisions. Not bad decisions. Some irresponsible decisions that. Do say all my did or drunk me did last night, like in, in the the spending of money. But regardless, um, what did you I'm say? Bad. All my do, yeah. Don't I mean I I got a pair of kicks that cost well over what I usually do, but I've justified it and I'm not gonna share. Oh, so the Adapt React Elevens? No, the Miles Morales origin story Jordan Retro one. Shit, nigga. Yeah. Anyway, so uh. <laughs> And uh, the Nike plug can get those, so I didn't get those from Nike plug, unfortunately. But what I was getting at was, I don't have nothing against anybody's beliefs or nothing like that, but I'm going to always ask what you think, not what the book is saying, because the fact of the matter is, every God that does not promote free will or critical thinking does not sound like a God that I would necessarily quote. Um, you know, like, if, if I got to reference something before I can give you a, a valid response, then... It's it's not going to go well. Even in a court of law, you only got to fucking mention the goddamn law, but you can still paraphrase and summarize it to your own wording. And we weren't, which is where 
you will always lose me because I have as much impact. Part of it is, again, as Reed was saying in the other podcast companion to this one, that, you know, you have to be able to critically think about things. It can't just be you just thinking, okay, well, this is what it says. And sort of for him, that moment of rethinking everything was when he realized that, wait a second, what if the Bible is canon? As in there's a start, there's a middle, there's an end, and it's taken across, you know, hundreds of years. That sort of changed the game for him. Uh, for myself, what I wanted to say on that podcast but didn't was that the Suez Canal was built uh, in 1869, but was started in 1859. Um, so I'm adding that in here, which if you didn't listen to the podcast, you won't know why I'm mentioning it. But no, I, I think they had a great point on how they basically divided Africa because Africa connected to Asia or Eurasia, we should say, because it's technically the Eastern uh, European yeah. part of Asia. But it's right. Like really, really Europeans came in there and divided in half and built a man-made canal and flooded essentially with seawater because they wanted to be able to pass their ships across more easily. And then we can go into sort of some of the other, you know, trade winds that were um, kind of happening at that time frame and what else was going on. But it's very interesting when you get into that. Um, to not spend too much like, time. Yeah, go ahead. The Egyptians, like who we look at them as media today, but who they were in the past, because a lot of history tells us that the Egyptians are the Sudanese as we know them to be, versus the people that we see there now. Uh, they kicked all those people out of Egypt <laughs> at that time. However, they also said the Israelites never went back, or the ones that were left would be, I guess, the ones who were Sudanese. Or the Sudan. Well, I, mean, or, I mean, but there's still conflict in Egypt now where they're trying to divide back. Well, no, but also going back to their point, maybe we need to just roll back in there with some ships, like they were saying. They say with time, the ships are coming back. <laughs> yeah, they, they were tribal. Like, not, most of the issues won't be fixed because they're tribal. But, like, it's just you know, not going to happen. Most of those cultures over there are. That's why I was like, you got to go look at these people and see how they interact with each other and others and realize that that book said one thing, but when you get the actual not based off a true story, fucking story, then you, you get to look, you, you, it changes your perception. I wasn't always agnostic, man. I was raised. Men use words in their favor. Like, that's just how it always been. Like, you know, even <laughs> okay. when you talk things that are agnostic, like politicians, like, they don't really believe in anything, but they'll tell you whatever to suit their needs. Yeah, very true. Very true. I can hear one of our podcast listeners who definitely I know is going to hit me up uh, when she hears that episode as well as this one because she's a I got to finish everything that I start kind of person. She's going to be like, what about all the times men had decided to rewrite this, that or the third thing just to suit their benefit? And it's like, Dang, I, can, I can hear her. I didn't want to do that. That was That's the first thought that, that came to mind when they started reading or talking about it in reference. I was like, That's why I asked what Bible they were referencing because that's the Bible that's like before the Catholic Church lit it up and had the American I don't mean before the Catholic Church got more Catholic. Yeah. yeah that's why I said, what <laughs> Bible are you reading? It's the 1611 one. That's the one that documented back to like even uh, a couple thousand years. I can't remember the exact number. Even referencing commandments, I'm like, did man touch it? Yeah, it ain't pure. I'm like, I'm just... You're referencing something. I mean, even if we say the first Ten Commandments are purely right, DJ, your point is ten times more effective because it's like, all right, let's say the first Ten Commandments are right. Okay, what about all the other things that we have to say as far as laws? Because all these laws were made essentially by Moses and the people who were working with them. 
We don't know uh-huh. what Buddy Boy decided to slip in there. Maybe right. we weren't supposed to not eat pork. It was just one guy couldn't stand the smell of pork and pigs and was like, nah, no pork. I'm pretty sure God yeah. said that. It's not like this. Nah, it's the way our pork works. Is how pork was kept back then and how we keep pork now is very, very different. Pigs lived in slop, like a lot of slop. Not saying they don't live in the slop that they live in today, but they literally lived in slop, like super slop back then versus how they live now. Uh, so they Which is funny because they're fine to be sacrificed. Yeah. And not to mention the, the different type of wars. Once they go feral. The ones that go feral don't live in slop. True, but those are warthogs, and we try to always it, give them a the different... Same, they're the same. That's the same species. Literally, it is a scientific fact. They don't know what yeah. causes it, but if you let a, a regular farm pig out into the wild, it goes feral and turns into a warthog. Like, it, it's the same species. So it's not even a different breed of pig. Yeah, but it doesn't just live in the slop, man. It starts, you know, like, foraging and eating other people and beating people down. Mm, and no, no, no. Oh, this whole time I thought that the goat was the sacrificial animal, not the pig. That's the yeah. That's that's the first. That's the first thing I'm gonna say as far as that. And then when it comes to the whole pig thing, from what I was told, um, I'm not sure it was Israelite that told me this. um, As a Muslim, probably. It's probably it it may may have been, but the what I was told about the pig is that a pig is a very very disgusting animal. Actually, the pig was put on the earth to actually to to cleanse the earth of all the dirt, blah, 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 stuff like that. You know, I can't remember who told me that, but that I guess, I, I, I've heard that. Thing. Just like when he said Israelites and Christians, I was like, man, they both believe in the God of David, if I'm not mistaken. I got, hmm. I got a close friend that's a Muslim. He's not a preaching, practicing, but he still has some beliefs, and it's basically they are because they live in their filth. It's something about the religion, how they right. live in the filth, that they your body's supposed to be Pure, clean, and you don't eat a animal that lives in its own field, even though you eat fish Wait, that is a bottom feeder that lives in. We don't, we don't eat bottom feeder fish. What bottom feeder fish you Cat, eat? Catfish is a bottom feeder fish. Catfish is a bottom feeder. You're not supposed to eat catfish, though. You're not supposed to eat catfish. But I'm saying, catfish is a bottom feeder. It's folks Same that eat pork that eat catfish. Shrimp, shrimp, crawfish. You don't eat crawfish either. Crawdads. All those stuff, the biblically, you're not supposed to eat them. Like those things are not supposed to eat. Yeah, you're supposed to be eating good old fashioned dolphin. Oh no, no, don't bring up milk of a cow. They ain't ready for that shit. That's half oh, of Africa. That's ha- that's three fourths of Africa right there because everybody eats powdered milk. Let me get three quarters of some dolphin and I'm good, man. Man, look, man, them intelligent ass dolphins gonna be like, nah. I see Meaty. DJ All Might. What he did to my friend. Meaty man. <laughs> You know, fact, people who don't eat pork and go back to pork and get sick. So, I mean, that's that's that's, that's anything that's because it, it produces a certain grease. Like if you separate from a certain type of grease, you're gonna get sick when you reintroduce it anyway. The same thing, the same thing with beef. If you don't yeah. eat beef for a long time and go back to it, you get sick as hell. Yeah, they say. I mean, but they just say we ain't supposed to be eating it anyway, right? We just do it. Anyway. Right. Oh. But which is also another weird thing because you, I don't know if you guys. Well, I'm pretty sure you have the eat right for your blood type thing. Where if you're a particular blood type, it. they recommend that you eat, you know, beef or, you know, particular things. It's like, I don't, I don't, I don't hundred I don't know how to feel about that. That's why it is always recommended for all of us to eat pussy. <laughs> that that is literally what it is. That's literally that's what, what it is. is. That was that's in why, Leviticus six nine. This is exactly six why nine. DJ, that's why this kind of DJ kind of looks the way he looks because he refuses to eat pussy. Now he looks like Jabba the Hutt. Yeah, that's literally what it is, man. Everyday and black again, man bringing you the real facts. He's the only rich person in his circle that was fat, worked out, and still is fat. Look at Red Cross. Look at Fat Joe. 
Look at Nori. All them niggas. They was chunky. They worked out. Yeah. They eat pussy. They lost weight. DJ Khaled worked out. He don't eat pussy. He's gotten fat. Yeah. God has God has has definitely let his word be known. But to not turn this into an episode of that, I want to say RIP to Sidney Portier as well as actor Max Julian. They both passed away this week. Um well, I know that the golden girl, huh? bro. Golden you gonna leave girl. Betty White out? Betty White is enshrined and everyone knew when she when she passed away, all right? There's been 17,000 recaps on it. I didn't think I needed to tell niggas R.I.P. to Betty White. I think it's more for the shock value. It's the shock value of it, man, because every year that meme came out when somebody died of the Grim Reaper at a uh, claw machine. And he's like <laughs> joking that it was a Betty White. Oh, yeah, White. that's right. Exactly. Always, now, he always skipped over Betty White until he didn't. God Y'all damn it. Who's Betty White now? Like, we ain't no more there is a one. Done. She was a wonderful kind, bro. People, Tina Turner and um, what's that? Other lady? Nah, because Betty, Betty White will Betty never White. be Betty White. Betty White was literally still relevant in current culture. Like, she was active still. <laughs> she she was making <laughs> movies still, dog. Like, she I'm was right, Tina Turner. Oh, Morgan like, Freeman. Morgan Freeman. That's another old nigga. Like, nigga, when are you going to die? Oh, yeah. Old. Yeah, well, Morgan I think, Freeman. I think, I think Sam Jackson is older than Morgan Freeman. <laughs> he is. And he don't look the same because nah. like Sam. Sam, you know, that profanity keeps him young. Nah, <laughs> he just got to say motherfucker. He keep his face out. If his face nope. wasn't great, you wouldn't look like that. It's the great most people. Man. Most people don't realize that Morgan Freeman is only 46. That nigga not 42. <laughs> <laughs> that nigga was 46 that nigga was 46 46 years ago pow alright he's 92 Sam looks as good as he does because he just not stress himself out like how actors be complaining about uh, going to work and he's like we play we pretend and then we go home. He ain't no manual labor, ain't nothing. He's like, why the f- I don't give a fuck about all these people bitching and complaining. He's like, I go in, do my time, and I leave. It ain't like I gotta no, go out Sam, the field, Sam is uh, Sam is eleven years younger than Morgan Freeman. Oh, I thought he was older. Nope, hey, eleven man. years younger. So Morgan is what, eighty two? Eighty four. Eighty four. Damn. Yeah, 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 these niggas is old. And we better give them their flowers. Ain't this ain't this up, up there too? Ain't he like in the late sixties? Denzel is up there, nigga. Denzel is you, 67 years old. He's what? 67 years old. God damn. We ain't gonna have shit. Son the replacement is 37. The replacements ain't nowhere near. But like Denzel got a, a respectable replacement. But the rest of them, I'm gonna call his son as replacement, not Michael B. Jordan. The thing about it is, like his son, he had his son at 37 years old. 37. So that's to let y'all know, you can be with a woman as long as you're a great actor. And they ain't and have a great kid. He's not the oldest. Ice Cube, Ice Cube I know, good. but I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Yeah. Well, no, no. Ice I, nobody's saying anything bad about Ice Cube, son, unless they're niggas. Yeah. I'm so talking about actor. Morgan, Morgan I mean, um, Denzel Washington's wife is older than he is. She's 71. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but she's been living that life for a long time. <laughs> I know, but you got to think about it, like, especially, like, when we go into this whole... Women need to have kids at a certain age, certain kind of thing. You are seeing older black women who paired off, who have kids later, who tend to do well. The problem is a lot of women, you're not pairing off 
at all, and you expect to be able to have these kids late, and it just don't work out that way. It's both biology as well as your environment. Next generation, don't do it either. (laughs) That too, that too, that too. But all of this aside, because you know, uh, the Mac was a great film, but um, I think the more impressive thing that Max Julian did was the fact that he donated. Well, I mean, look, he started a whole culture thing. Niggas took from it in hip hop. Um, he also was a scriptwriter for Cleopatra Jones and his uh, black exploitation films. While people always like to highlight, oh, the Mac was the beginning of an era where we said black people and da 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 da. Remember, Hollywood crashed in the 1970s. Black exploitations brought them back. So yet again, everything revolves around black culture because if it hadn't been for black exploitation films. Hollywood would be dead right now. We wouldn't have streaming things. We'd just have shitty TV show. But um, Max Julian donated a lot of his proceeds from his most known role in Goldie, where he played the uh, titular or titular character uh, Goldie, and he donated those proceeds to the Black Panther Party's free lunch program back before your schools had lunches for kids. Stay woke. But um, Cindy Poitier did a lot for Black people. First Black man to like get an Oscar. First Black person. Sorry to get an Oscar. First black man as well. And um, a lot of people didn't like him because he didn't talk that much about race, but the thing people always forget is that he was pivotal in the civil rights movement in the 1963. So like literally he wins an Oscar in 61 and then he does civil rights shit in 63. It's called, hey niggas, I got my my achievement now. Now I can help y'all out. Because black people always try to be like, you gotta help us out right now. And it's like, no niggas, I gotta make this money first. Then I can help y'all out. I want to say shit about you niggas and your issues because, like, most of that shit, man, like, that was, like, what's an activist? Like, hey, them activists, I ain't going to be listening, though. Them niggas ain't nothing but fucking loudmouths. Some of the niggas that's really doing the work. Activists ain't nothing but sitting around bitching. Like, I don't give a fuck what no activist is. Activist to a uh, civil rights movement is, like, a person who identifies as binary to LGBTQ. You don't do nothing. You just say something. Look, man, they laugh. identify. I'm a community activist is helping out well no community activists oftentimes do a lot more than the main like let's you need to separate out the people at the ground level community activists and the women sitting at like the black Uh-oh. lives matter table those are, the, those are very different people your local community activists that's the one that you should support your grassroots person who's just trying to get change done like we saw it during our lifetime our reed armstead in georgia when it was the local activists who helped push for the magnet program to be expanded. Because you remember, white folks didn't want your gifted black asses coming to their white schools. But it was those local community activists that wouldn't shut the fuck up to Republicans that finally made them go, all right, fine. Only the A niggas can come. We're not taking B hey, students, only the A ones. I hold, I, hold, I hold titular anger towards these niggas. Titular anger. Yeah, I was bad as fuck. I mean, yeah, that was that was your problem. Again, you got you got you had that B you had that B anger coming out of you. I actually spent like a good half of my elementary school in the gifted gifted classes and doing the magnet programs, but then you know, I didn't like authority. I I wasn't even well, it wasn't even that. I just literally didn't have the support system that you would think to need, and I didn't have the self drive to say I'm gonna do this regardless. Like, nah, I was just like, oh, fuck it. Y'all ain't gonna keep up with me. Right, I'm just going well, I mean, off. nigga, your environment is like 60% of your problem. Like, I, I really <laughs> yeah, to imagine yeah, the know. type of nigga you could have been if you were supported by your local environment. 
Bro, I'm not gonna lie. You might be making, you might be curing cancer right now if you've been supported by your local environment. I ain't gonna lie. I had that conversation with wife all the time. I was like, I really wish I had that fucking uh, that that TV or at least that basic ass support system that I envy. I envy both. I envy the bad like uh, parents that let their kids do whatever and then made them fucking end up like that. But I also envy the niggas that had good family. Like I said, look, I want to do what I want, but I also would love a family that supports, loves, and cares about me and pushes <laughs> like me family. to achieve my dreams. I don't want to get it twisted. I don't feel like like ain't like I was neglected or nothing like that. I was just raised like every other nigga that was raised in the hood. You just come home with a C and you straight. <laughs> so you're saying you're not like Kane Carter, shout out to him, aka Hot Damn I Rock, because nah, nah. he became really good at picking up women, mostly because as a child, his mom would beat him, and it was well, not, not his mom, his family would beat him whenever he got words wrong. So they would turn up the TV and they tell him to spell words, and if he got it wrong, they beat the shit out of him. Which then evolved to him having a command over the English language, but you know, didn't of course turn out well for the women in his life. I would like to see what Reed would have became if he actually gave a fuck. I mean, nigga, we already know what Reed would have became. He'd be he'd be right now talking about how I'm running again for my reelection Senate campaign. Uh, I just want y'all to know that uh, the person who was found on that footage having sex with that light skin was not me. That was actually my doppelganger. He don't want to admit it. He would have been Obama. <laughs> I mean, I, I feel like I feel like you have a good point that he could have been Obama. That's why he doesn't like Obama. Now. That nigga in South like, Carolina that all niggas hate. Look, he, uh, uh, nah, you'd have been Obama. You would have gotten Lizzie on the Democratic thing, and then you would have changed from Democrat to being a centrist independent. Once you have a big enough fo- cult following, that's, that's why you don't. That's why you don't like him. Like, look at that nigga out there trying to be me. Exactly. I think black people overrate him because it's simply because he's black. What doesn't the black people? What don't they overrate because they're black? Eminem. But that 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 was a good one, and that reminds me of the second thing. The argument Argument about Lil Wayne versus Jay Z. No, no, not 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 Lil Wayne versus Jay Z. That's a stupid fucking. That's a stupid fucking conversation. You made that argument unbearable. Correct. But what I wanted to talk about was the rare moment of clarity in politics. When Joe Biden said in his January 6th speech, you can't love your country only when you win. It's like, yeah, that's true. So are you going to investigate Fauci or are we just going to continue to pretend like this nigga didn't lie to Congress? Mm-hmm. Just saying. Just saying. It was interesting, right? Or fifth. I mean, no, January 6th. It, it was an interesting little, um, little con- conference. You had Kamala Harris who puffed herself up. And said this whole speech. I wouldn't even have watched it if it wasn't she for uh, Cyrus. Yeah, yeah. She she set up and, and talked a whole bunch of shit. And it's like, Kamala, I am not going to say that you don't have a chance of becoming president. But I will say that you are going to lose all the black male votes. And God help you if you're going to depend on the white woman. I don't really care for you. Nobody does. Black women. Black women be standing for that bitch. I don't, I don't well, no, what, no, no. What the problem that Kamala's in right now is an interesting problem that she caused herself. And that problem is she wanted everybody to think... No, no. She wanted everybody to think that, hey, um, I'm going to be this semi-progressive person and I'm going to get things done. And then when she didn't have the ability to get things done because, I mean, if we're being honest, Joe Biden used her like a tissue, um, it just kind of all fell apart and she's just kind of sitting here looking foolish. And it's like, well, Kamala, I don't, I don't know what you, what you expect to do now. She, she pretended to be, but she was never progressive. Based well, no, on no, her I know she was actual legislation. Based on her thing, but she said 
that she was going to be progressive. And then she got caught needing to actually pretend like that was who she was going to be. And now she's got progressives pissed and saying they're not going to vote for her. And then she's got the whole uh, black woman mafia, as I want to call it, who are like, you need to do more, girl. We don't see you. You have you didn't even go down to the border. Like, we need, we need FaceTime, 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 FaceTime. And it's like, I mean, y'all... What what exactly do you want? If she goes out there, she's going to embarrass herself, so she's not going to do that. And if she talks about anything progressive, she's going to kill any chance that she has of becoming president. So, I mean, not that she has a big chance, but a little chance. She got something. It just, it's a weird place to watch people be like, Kamala did so great on the speech, but then ignore the fact that her numbers are polling worse than goddamn Dick Cheney. She's a puppet. She's more of a um, figurehead. She's not really about shit. She'll never be president unless Joe Biden dies. Um, I mean, I'm thinking that's going to be the only way. You better start putting cyanide. Never mind. Um, I'm just saying. It's one of those things where it's like, I don't think y'all realize the position thing they going to put up Pete Buttigieg and he going to win? I'm like, bro, <laughs> nobody voting. No no, no, no. Pete, Pete has a better chance of winning than I think anyone no. else on the ticket. Only because Pete is going to tap into a large white allegiance no. that's going to say, even though he's gay, I'm going to vote for him because he's uh, a white I'm, man. I don't, I'm about to say, I'm, I, don't, I don't think the gays can get that much done. If they can, I am a president. I feel like they will um, take over. If they can I think as long as he doesn't show off his husband and he just shows those little, those little baby twins they adopted, he'll be fine. I think if you keep reminding people that you're gay, that's going to be a problem for black But isn't that what every openly gay figurehead politician or celebrity does? They make sure they bring in the fact that they're gay. Then they never address... No, but Pete Pete has been smart enough not to do that. He did that at the beginning when he was trying to run for president. And then once he saw that he had no chance of winning, he put his husband to the side and stood straight in his lane and said, I would really like to help the Joe Biden campaign. He saw which way the winds were blowing early. So mm-hmm. I think he's got the opportunity to be a strong contender. The nigga from a state of well, a city of less than a hundred thousand became transportary transport secretary. He don't know anything about no fucking transportation. <laughs> yeah, but that's what we're saying. A nigga from a city that small made it to transportation secretary. If you're telling me he can't jump from transportation secretary to president, I think you're foolish. The real thing here is Well no gay man be president of America in our lifetime. A gay man will be president of, our, of America in our lifetime because people said the same shit about a black man and it just took the right black man with the right story. Again, if Obama didn't have those cute little girls and that wife that was strong and resilient but very silent at the beginning, he would have lost. It will have to be the least gayest gay man to win. That's what I'm saying. Buttigieg is the least gayest white gay politician that we have. There's no other white gay politician that is as clean cut the gay thing hurts, but it's just policies upon black people that we can go look at in Indiana. But America doesn't give a fuck about their policies against black people. You got to take that completely out. Democrats can't win elections without black people. No, no, no. Democrats, until recently, haven't been able to win elections without black people. Things are changing. Never. They Booty, never won elections without black people. Booty judge polls well with Hispanics, and we know which way America's going because black niggas have too many goddamn abortions. We've talked about this ad nauseum. Bro, he would have to win within the next eight years. That ain't happening. I just don't see it. I think Biden is going to go for another election. Either he wins or he loses, depending on how well Trump holds. Then Kamala's going to take a failed attempt. That is Buttigieg's uh, opportunity to kill, to cut her off at the knees and get in at the number one spot. Now, I think if I was him, I would get a very strong 
very straight, very Hispanic vice president. Male as well. Can't be a woman. That'll be a winning ticket. It won't win. That'll be a winning ticket. Because DeSantis is only going to run in the next four years if he runs at all. If DeSantis loses to Biden, Buttigieg has an easy throw in because people who people who lose at a given political race, generally speaking, can't come back and win. There's only been one exception or two exceptions to that rule, and there are exceptions for a reason. Yeah, basically. <laughs> Joe Biden is one, and the other no. one is um who? Joe McCain was the president, but yeah. You know. Yeah, yeah. Generally speaking, people don't win when they go for a re-election. But I mean, you could be right, but we'll see. But I think that is the play for Buttigieg, which is be transportary, uh, transportation secretary and just see if Biden wins. If Biden can win again, then you don't need to do anything because it'll be very easy for you to beat his assumed successor because Kamala's got nothing on you. And it's the easiest time for him because he doesn't have any rivals and Republicans really only have two p- potential options. They've got Trump or they've got DeSantis. Those are the only two names that anyone in any household knows. No, they're not going to put goddamn um, Herschel Walker up there. He's a losing ticket. Herschel Walker, nigga, the nigga is already in the Senate. They're not going to put that guy up there either because they're afraid he's going to do something black. Remember, they like black people, but not that much. (laughs) (laughs) Can you imagine what happens if they put that black man in that side? He has a midlife crisis, realized that Negroes are going to remember him as a piece of shit, and he starts doing affirmative action, and it comes from a Republican? <laughs> I think we got a better chance of it happening with Republicans than we do with Democrats. That's the oh, thing. no, no, no. That's what I'm saying. They would never put a black person in there because if, if his programming falls off and that nigga stops spitting down the party line, a Republican would find a way to get affirmative action passed, and he would make a generation of, of Republicans. Nigga, we'd all be flying them, 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 them goddamn elephants Talking about, hey man, my president is black. My affirmative actions are red. Your research. A lot of our most elected leaders were Republicans, but hey, I ain't telling y'all nothing y'all ain't even looked up before. It's correct, man. <laughs> like normal, y'all niggas don't read, and that's kind of what becomes of it. But uh, we can leave this this spicy talk, uh, which I'm sure we're gonna get a bunch of comments on how Riker is mean to Kamala, which I'm not just. In facts. A little longer than a few minutes later. Uh, you know, a whipping and an ass whipping are two different things, but the white people. Uh, no, a beating. You mean a beating? Whipping and a beating. Beating, yeah. Yeah, okay. like, I, most of these, I, I know. Be kids. <laughs> <laughs> I barely be kids. I don't believe in any mm-hmm. kind of capital punishment, but as somebody who uh, watches boys, you got to be the boy ass. Not necessarily no girl, yeah. but boys, boys are different. I'm just sorry. You just popping. That popping is old, bro. I mean, when they get to yeah. a certain age, the pop just can turn to a. You know, I mean, when you get to a, yeah, when you get to a certain age, like that's not going to be a thing. But no, I think I think corporal punishment is something that you have to have with children. I mean, you see with you know all these kids these days who just basically like, yeah, man, I'm just going to do gang shit. It's like if y'all had beat that kid, he would understand that there is a large consequence for any action that this child takes because that's the really problem that we have. I did not do shit. <laughs> As somebody who suffered whippings and ass beating around twelve, I knew it was coming, and and I still did it again because I didn't care about the ass beating because I knew that that pain would be temporary. <laughs> yeah, but the difference here is is that you knew there'd be consequences. Today's kids don't even know that there'd be consequences. You got people up here who just never just uh, I only, I put them in timeout. It's like, bro, timeout doesn't do a goddamn thing. Timeout is the real punishment. That's like what you're saying, Reed. Timeout is something that you're like, oh, 
oh no, I, I oh my mom took my phone away, but I know where it is in the closet that she hides shit. So I'm gonna go find. Like kids ain't never gonna be able to access my room. My room is gonna be one of those things where it's not necessarily like Fort Knox. But I'm sorry, you only need to come in here if you are allowed in here. You don't just get to just peruse into my room looking for your shit. If I lock something up, it's going inside of a gun safe, which is inside of a locked door. And if you kick that shit down, bro, I'm kicking your ass. Period. Point blank. I'm trying to think. I mean, I think my parents' room was like that. We didn't go in there without asking for the most part. I remember one yeah, time I, I busted my parents' room, and that was one of the worst decisions of my life. <laughs> 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 and your ass earned that shit. I was up, like, on a Saturday night, and I stepped on a pencil for some reason. And that bitch went through my foot. And I was like, ow. <laughs> but I didn't scream. I was like, shit, I need to go to a doctor. And what yeah, I saw, you should have beat on that yeah. door. Exactly. You never will. Nigga, it but, was uh, a pencil in my foot. I didn't think. Again, you have one of the only reasons why it was acceptable what you did. But at the same yeah. time, you paid a penalty for what you we did. We never talked about it either. Never talked about it. Never talked about it. I don't think there's anything Never talked talk about, about it at all. But, it's, hey, man, it's 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 completely okay. But I'm going to wrap this segment up and go into the next thing, which is, um, what was your favorite album of 2021? Excellent. What was the name of the album? Look, you asked a lot of questions, nigga. Not playing. I thought he was like Baby King album the most. No, no, I went back to listen to it. It was the first listen was straight and it was entertaining. And then I went back and was like, this shit's boring. Told you it was trash. Yeah, like the I first listen. I don't like the way that nigga rap. So Green or not? You like Green or not? You know what? It 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 wasn't even that. It was just the fact that like, or sorry, Weight of the World. That's the Maxo Cream album. Weight of the World. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Actually, you know what? I, I'll get top three because I don't have like one that just stands out. But Maxo, okay. um, I, I, Summer Walkers, I actually revisit. I ain't gonna lie because it's, it's legitimate R and B, and I need this because I, I, you can't trap all day every day. It just gets old, you know. Just nigga can't trap. Them. And um, I, I think everybody gonna say J Cole. I'm not gonna say J Cole. That's an obvious standout. Like some albums you don't even need to mention because they were just good. Like, Doja Cat was my surprise album. That was a surprise one because I was like, I didn't expect to actually like anything about her. And to be honest with y'all, I don't give a fuck what she said and the, the racist shit because I'm letting, I'm seeing all the shit they letting all these bitches get away with. And y'all, y'all can't. Well, no, no, no. I, I, you're allowed to be an independent thinker. Yeah. Well, no, and then yeah, just, like, I'm like, like I'm here. I'm Tory Lanez is innocent, as I told y'all. He is. He is. I'm gonna stick with you. I, I'm gonna apologize to that nigga. You still a corny nigga, but you know what? Meg is more cardier than you. I, I I think that her friend shot her. Yeah. You don't got to think. It's kind of out there. It's kind of, yeah. pretty much, yeah. But yeah, yeah I, I, I still want your ass deported for being a lame-ass nigga, but you ain't shoot that bitch. And the fact that yeah. nobody okay. needs some help, she's going she's gonna to suffer no consequences shows you what they really think of black Not men. At all. And then they're going to they gonna give her the ultimate brand push and make her like out to be this just fucking harlot. Like she, not harlot. Uh, well, she is a harlot. Bad girl, the bad girl that 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 just needs to uh, express herself. Nah. Well, look, man, she is in a position that you know, uh, you know that other chick, Cardi B. She's in Cardi B's uh, position. Nah, it's different. And there were no criminal charges. Yeah, no, no, I'm right. saying she's in <laughs> Cardi B's position as far as music. She's the uh, new she it girl. Speaking of which, you and know they, what? We gotta give we gotta give Rihanna props too because she dropped. Um, that one bitch, soon as she said, she dropped her from Fanny, soon as she said, since I wish that, that jigsy looking bitch, uh, Ari. Ari, Lim, uh, Ari, whatever her name Ari was. Fletcher. Oh. Yeah. Ari, Ari Fletcher, Fletcher yeah. yeah. She got dropped soon as she said that stupid shit. She was like, I want to do, uh, she basically went on fucking live, and I guess she said some shit about, 
I want to do that love me to the point where he'll hit me, pull a gun out on me and some shit like that. Like she said some stupid shit like that. Like I want to know that he loved me, you know, the fact that he'll beat the fuck out of me or kill me. Yeah. And okay. the girl girls got in her uh, her comments saying, What the fuck? You know, they gave they shared their stories, but also you fetishizing fucking uh, domestic violence and shit like that. You sound like a dumbass. She went on a fucking live again. was like, y'all bitches, I don't want to hear your stories. I don't care. I don't give a fuck. Like, and not realizing you signed to one of the most popular domestic violence cases ever. <laughs> like, dumbass. I'm happy they dropped her. I'm tired of these dumb bitches. Again. That's why I said I don't even get mad at Doja Cat for what she said. At least she put out good fucking uh, music and she ain't got bitches locked up in the basement nowhere. Damn, nigga, you sound very coolish right now. <laughs> God damn. God damn, Reed. What the fuck? Shit, man. You still here? You hit. You hit. Admit it. Admit it. Cool. No, I don't really like her. I don't even think she's attractive. Doja? Yeah, I don't think she's attractive yeah. at all. Who are you? Who are you like? Azalea Banks or something? Who the hell is that? You don't like you, you, start, you, you went to the Azalea Banks cup of tea? Bitches with no eyebrows and no booty? Music last year, uh, I was just telling you overall, I was disappointed due to the it fact all you niggas was locked up for a pandemic. And y'all came out with no classic. I know y'all no. think the J. Cole album is a classic, but can you honestly say J- that's J. Cole top three album? It wasn't it wasn't a classic. It was just a good a good album. And no, I didn't really have nothing that I really loved. I like J. Cole's. Even all these re releases of oh Juice World's music. No, no nothing I crazy. Like that. Oh, they're like gonna that. keep riding Juice World's poor little corpse out as far as they can. <laughs> his mom. His mom was out of line with that shit, talking about um people still his music and shit like if you really care about his music you wouldn't care about how it got out there you just want to get out there she took the money i think it was all oh, people his the music being on SoundCloud. Burn, 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 burn. it was being on SoundCloud. that's what it was like true think about her and think about triple x tentantion's uh mom but she ain't come out here no shit like that she just want people to hear that nigga's music yeah she just wants them to hear everything that she got that he has left to record yeah that's going to be in a you know suitable place She's not trying to give y'all every single demo tape that y'all want. Right. Like, Juice World, bro, I literally only care about the money. Uh, bro. Very uh, much I, so. I, I sat down and watched that Juice World documentary, and the amount of drugs he was doing and everybody else around him was doing drugs, they let this nigga kill himself. And I know I, how he died wasn't related to it, but if y'all watched that documentary, man, it's kind of sad as fuck. The way like, he died was really related. You said it wasn't related to no, it? No, 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 no. no, no. He's saying, he's saying that the people around him were putting it in a position to where he would think, that he was going to be able to take all those drugs to hide them would be a smart idea because of how many uh, drugs they were doing in a given time. Like everyone around bro, him, you was watch being that shit. He always popping perks or doing some shit. I'm Let's, like, what the fuck is wrong with this nigga? I like, when that out. nigga says he was on drugs, that nigga was an addict, bro. Oh, like yeah, it was bad. No, 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 no. Watch that documentary on HBO Max, bro. It is so fucking sad. Like it is, like nigga. I that was like, what the. I, I give uh, props to Trippy Red too, though. After that, um, after that incident, because um, he literally like stopped pushing, perpetuating, and, and taking it. Like, he even has a regular skin tone color now. He came out and said, "Like that shit ain't cool no more. No more lean, no more pills, and nothing." That's fucked up. After he died, and he stuck to it. True, unlike most people, it was yeah. so sad watching that shit, bro. I was like, they just watch this nigga kill himself. Either it's gonna be one way or the other. But he making music and we get to spend money. But it right. was so sad. No, that's literally it. That's how they do it, man. They're like, but hey, not, he's nobody, making, nobody what? Oh, you were just saying it. I was saying nobody's um nobody's realizing that he's the the breadwinner. Like, why are you letting the money kill itself? He dies, was, the money stops. Yeah, and it was well, the money ain't stopped because um, this world got some avid fans. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, that was crazy. Hey. Anyway, getting back to to music. So you gave what about you? two? No, you gave all three. Yeah, yeah, I gave my Reed was getting his. Nah, I ain't having huh. You said everybody like from Honda to yeah, everybody was not no classics. If, if there was a classic and it was yeah. underground. That probably exists, but overall, I'm, I'm is that is that your barometer though? Are you only looking for classics, not just something that you will revisit after the pandemic? And they all these niggas sit by themselves in studios and shit, no parties and shit. We should have got a classic out of somebody, but like, you did. You got way too sexy. Exactly. <laughs> I'm too sexy. <laughs> I'm too sexy. I'm too sexy. I haven't listened to that song since I liked it. <laughs> I ain't gonna lie, it don't hit the same. I listen to this song every time I go in the gym. <laughs> you know what? Every I take it back. single time. I, I take it back. I give it to Young Dolph because I went back and listened to all this shit yeah, after he passed. Like It was like, this nigga had practice. Dumb and Dumber 2 came out this year, right? Or was that last mm-hmm. year? Okay, it was this year. It was this Dumb year. Dumb and Dumber 2? Yeah. yeah. And he released the compilation. That boy, he a penguin. Yeah, that nigga cold, cold, yeah. cold. <laughs> I love that fucking song. And Key Glock, Key Glock, again, from this crap. So, you know, those are animal mentions. I would never expect the classic from them. I expect them mm-hmm. not like to li- listen to. Banger. I mean, I, I like this song. Like, he has some songs. Not a whole album, though. Yeah. All right, so nothing from Reed. For me, I think my number one would be Conchie's uh, Benbo Crescent. I thought that was really fun, really nice. It's just, you know, the new wave, the new kids doing the stuff that they do. I like the fact that half of his songs are also named after stuff that I care about, like Usopp, uh, Totoro, Zoro, Sanji, Nyx, uh, Murray slash Kami, StockX, Buff, Double, all those things, you know. It's just really nice to see someone who's Jamaican-American. Well, I guess he's really just Jamaican. No, he's Jamaican-American. He got it. He got a U.S. He got a U.S. passport. Uh, Jamaican American doing his thing, and you know, doing the the new kind of rap, as everyone say. My trash? no, he's he makes enjoyable music. Is it the best possible shit I've ever heard? No, but he managed to throw in a line at the loving Jesus Christ in one of his songs that was done very well, and I was like, damn it, man, this kid knows how to fucking make songs and making music, and he doesn't do anything that's too long and gets you know like super repetitive. Uh, for my old heads, Mick Jenkins' Elephant in the Room is probably the best album that came out this year. But that's like real rap, as people would define it. So for a lot of people, it's not necessarily about making songs that you're going to vibe to, but putting into songs, you know, the kind of content and character. I think Saba, who will release this year, did it the best in 2018, which is why my uh, 2018 album of the year was Care For Me by Saba, because he did such a great job kind of putting the nigga aspect of it and the actual, you know, music that you can listen to together into one sort of thing. So really excited for his new album that's coming out in February. But uh, Elephant in the Room was really good. Easiest way to tell if you like this album is to listen to the first track, The Valley of the Shadow of Death. If you like it, you're going to like the rest of the album. If you don't, then it's not for you. And it's okay. I mean... Who had the uh, song of the year to you? Uh, sorry, one more, and that would be I actually was going to go with Summer Walker slash J. Oh, you got three. For my number three, because oh. I think the big thing for this year is that I think J. Cole made a better mainstream album than anyone else. But at the same time, Summer Walker had a more relatable, I can play this multiple times album. Although, going back to what you were just asking me, my song of the year is Pride is the Devil, because 
I literally can listen to that song as many times as someone will play it because it's just enjoyable, even with the way that the second verse goes, which I know is the first place you're going to take it. You're like, you're going to really say prize the devil after all that shit that goes on in the second verse with little Baby? Uh, yes. I, uh, I'm still going to say Pride the Devil is my song of 2021. It was just, it's an enjoyable track. It's got, you know, lyrics that actually mean something, but at a cadence that's catchy enough for people to be able to enjoy. And I think so many people are kind of going on and off about, you know, we, whether we can have enjoyable music or not. Like, I mean, I do love... um uh, Praise God by Kanye West. I think that's a really good banger. But I also enjoyed the other uh, Donda song that was pretty darn good as well. But they're not something that I will listen to time and time again. It's something that I listen to once and maybe not hear it again for another week or two. Um, and that song would be Hurricane because it just, you know, it, it was nice to see it actually being released. Off Grid is re- really nice, but there's only so many times you can hear if Kanye West said, we all the agree, 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 agree. Oh my nah. God. No, don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> oh, what's funny is uh, I, I I was just thinking it sucks that I'll never be able to say ever again that I like a something by Kanye West that isn't a pair of shoes. Eh, nah, I don't necessarily say that because I think in whatever Donda Two becomes, because anytime that Kanye yes. said he's going to make a second version of any album, it never comes out. So that means he's probably closing off this aspect of who he is. Yeah, yeah, but see, this aspect, along with the last, what, three, four evolutions, all suck. <laughs> they I mean, all look, man, suck. you don't enjoy that. Suck. I, yeah. No, I the enjoy, life of Pablo um, isn't a four. I'm talking about Sid, uh, Kid Sea Ghost and um, what all that shit they came out man, I love Kid Sea Ghost. And Yeezy or Ye, the Ye album. Um, I'll give you Ye. I thought, I thought uh, Jesus King was actually pretty good. No, um, the yeah, biggest. I, I, I listened to it once, and I was like, "Oh, the beats are it's almost there. Well, I, I mean, yeah, it's more of a Christian album, so I, I wouldn't expect you to like it. Um, yeah, it, it's, I, I do know that. Don't know that. That's the thing, though. I like Lecrae's Christian album when he was uh when him and um. Well, no, no. I, I think Lecrae's Christian album is trying to convert you. Kanye West's Christian album is just saying, "I'm a Christian now, again, for I'm real." A, yeah, but then he go on TV. <laughs> That's the thing that kills me. You won't cuss in the music, but you'll fucking cuss and see all the most wildest shit in the fucking interviews. Because, you're, you're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. You are 100% right. No, no, no. no. I, I get, no he, his point is legitimate. If you're going to say no profanity, because like several of the songs on Donda would have been way better with profanity allowed. Um, and it, you've got a point is, how are you going to say no profanity in your music, but you're going to curse in interviews knowing... Millions of people are going to see this shit. It's, it's the, it ain't the, it's when you watch an interview, hold on, wait. When you watch an interview, how many times do you watch an interview? I mean, that's uh, pretty much all. I watched an interview like twice. But you you got a point. You got a point. How many times oh. are you actually going to watch it? Yeah, how many times? Well, no, it ain't the fact of that. I'm talking about everything that he went on to talk on, like where he speaks on. Granted, that Dream Champs was a unique experience, but he goes and he talks. All the shit he said he ain't going to put in the music, the sacrilegious stuff and all that. He talks that. That's the only reason I say it. That's bullshit because you keep so pushing not it. A fucking apostle. He's still a human being. I'm not saying you. No, 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 no. He's not saying but he's, he's saying not allowed it. to stray. What he's saying yeah. is it's cognitive dissonance when you say you're only making Christian music, you're only putting out Christian music, but then you go on an interview and you talk shit about Drake and all these other people. And because music profanities. affects you more than an interview. You're going to no, listen to I music. Get, all right, but, but no, in this age, day and era, where we have access to these interviews and YouTube, people are watching the YouTube interviews as much as they're listening to the music. That's it's streaming. 
It's streaming. You got to think I, about it. I would slightly disagree with that, but I think right, for like Kanye this. West, what this. you're saying is right. Yes, that's what I'm talking about. For the Kanye West is, for the, nah. for the people on that, that tier, when he does something, it's, it didn't, you got to think about it. I'm not just talking about the views on YouTube. Think about the views that, that leak off to other sites and, and then all the social media clips and all that. People are listening to that. They're fucking these retarded ass kids now. They're fucking soaking that shit up like he is a fucking messiah. And he's saying the shit. That's why I'm saying, I ain't saying you can't do that. It's the fact that, nigga, what you, and we know it's Kanye West. He condescends, he does all that stupid shit. But this, the fact that you're saying it here, but then you won't say it over here. But, nigga, your words should represent what the fuck you're, you're rapping, because your rapping is your words. Not what anybody does, so why would you expect that to him? Nobody does like Lecrae, Le, I'll use him again. He did the Christian album. That nigga was like Christian interviews. enough to know if he has contradictions. Like okay, Lecrae's Drake, not famous. Drake, no, 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 no. Lecrae, Lecrae was talked about like that because a lot of people didn't like how Lecrae no. was in the studio making his music and he was living a uh, lifestyle. People were like, how can you say you're Christian but you don't, you know, like sit here, like you're sitting here, you're living a good life. Hey, like Lecrae hey, got a lot of that in his early, in his early career. Because it, it re, it's just it's just like how we said how kids you gonna talk about all these drugs and shit in the music that he ain't doing. That nigga does some drugs. No, he does now. But <laughs> <laughs> well, remember before, you know, when like it's like how you gonna perpetuate the fucking pills and syrup and lean and shit? But you don't even do that. Rappers do. Kanye West I is still a rapper. But Kanye West is trying to be. He's stepping out of rapper realm. I'm not talking about the music. I'm saying. When you go out and speak, you're saying all this outlandish wild shit, and you're trying to motivate and, and, and uh, what's the word, inspire people. But the shit you're saying is not the same as the shit that you're saying. It's supposed to be the inspirational music. So it's convoluted. It's very fucking confusing to these retarded-ass kids. These niggas don't know not to worship a real housewife. So when a person like Kanye West steps in, you think they're going to be able to decipher the, the logic in it? They're, they're not going to be me, you, Riker, anybody that can actually look at this thing. This nigga's an idiot. That well, nigga's bro, a god. One thing I would tell you is that when niggas listen to rap, young niggas, they really believe these niggas did all the shit they talking about. So I agree. I think, but I also, so with that said, I think the music would matter more because it's more repetitive than than the <laughs> interview. And we kind of just closed it there. I understand what you're saying about the nigga, but I don't expect much from... The, that is I don't the most expect anything. Kanye West I've ever seen. I don't okay. expect. Well, no, no. I think I think that's a good point. I, I think that's a good point on both sides to end that out. I'm going to skip this week in music because I don't want to make this too long because we already got uh, two controversial topics that are going to come up, out. So uh, first and foremost, Fresh and Fit had Asian Doll on their podcast. <laughs> now I will admit she was rude and that did trigger Myron. So I'm um, one point for Myron and Fresh and Fit. Um, but we need to take it a step back and look at it from his point of view. In fact, no, no, forget that. Don't women all the time complain that men don't listen or hear them when they have something to say? So didn't she do the same thing to Fresh and Fit that women are always complaining that men do to them? So two points for Fresh and Fit. Um, but either way it goes, she was rude, but he got a little too offended. So one to Asian Doll, because as a man, don't argue with women. So one for Asian Doll, two for oh, Fresh and Fit. Sorry, but, and, No, 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 you're fine, you're fine. At, at the same time, y'all, and by y'all I mean collectively black internet, brought up a video of them saying that they don't date black women and using demeaning terms. I admit, the video was offensive. They talked badly about black women. But so what? Like, y'all really gonna focus on some shit that they said before when y'all already didn't like Fresh and Fit to begin with? It's not like y'all went into it be like, Fresh and Fit are eligible bachelors and ooh, any girl would be happy to have them. Like, y'all were super... Them lame-ass niggas anyway. Exactly. <laughs> he, he knew they were simps to begin with. 
So y'all didn't like them to begin with. So don't bring up a, a, a video of them saying they don't like black women. Anybody who knew anything could listen to them and be like, y'all don't, they weren't going to like black women. I'm sorry. And this is going to be the controversial part that I'm going to say. A lot of black women are not cooperative. <laughs> oh, God. What are you doing? What are you doing? Cooper- what are you, a lot of black women are not cooperative. What is Reed going to say after you finish doing what you're doing? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what Reed's going to say, but a lot of black women are not cooperative. They don't want to be submissive. Enough of them are not cooperative. Enough <laughs> of them are not submissive. It looks like the norm. Enough. <laughs> oh my god! I was wondering where this was going to go. I was. Wondering. Oh no 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 no! I, no. I thought the I think the thing paid. here that is these guys worship the almighty dollar. So if you thought that they were going to leave your ass for a white girl, you were fucking stupid. These niggas only apparently like women that will be tricking with them or tricking on them as they were shown. And y'all, the same black people who was clowning these niggas for the fact that, come to find out, this one nigga was supporting the sugar baby who was using his ass and fucking six other niggas. But y'all want to act like, all of a sudden, these are niggas whose opinions you respect. Like, get the fuck out of here, man. I'm, uh, I understand and I appreciate everyone who brought the topic to our attention. Shout out to you, ladies. I really appreciate the laser focus. But y'all don't give a shit about fresh and fit. So it doesn't Hold really on. matter what they have to say. It is time for Reed the Apostle to start <laughs> preaching. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I bring today to the congregation fresh and fit. And I also bring <laughs> Asia Doll, or whatever this bitch name is. I don't know what name is. Asia Doll. She's not Asian, though. Asia that, Doll. Oh, my God. I'm going to state my point. Go this ahead, whole Reed. conversation. Preach. I alluded into a conversation about black women. If y'all want Asian doll to be your representative, then them niggas are right. If Asian doll is not your representative, then do not listen to them niggas. Because most y'all are not like this Asian doll. I've seen her. She got neck tattoo. I never trust a woman with neck tattoos. It's just something I've Man, if you've seen some of the stuff that she does as far as how she acts. She, she calls ratchet. herself Asian doll, and she's a child. She don't even like being woman. black. She, she attacks black women, and she blames black people for her being and black. she set up King Von. Exactly, and she set up King Von. She is literally... I don't know if and, that's true. And on top of that, right, for right. a lot of y'all supposed Christian black women, she's dating King Von's other baby mama. So y'all lesbian now? What part of the Bible is that? Uh, all right, so I'm going. My point with her is what he did do. What what his did what he did was it was ignorant. But like I was looking at a batch of niggas and somebody that's pretending pretending to be a nigga because he ain't even black, right? What is he like Middle Eastern? Did he say that uh, Riker? He, he said he was Middle Eastern, but yeah, yeah, he's he a terrorist. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> he's Middle Eastern. But the other so, one's Haitian. He, he doesn't but, even have okay. a thing. The terrorist and the hating. There's a better there's a better way to do that. And there's people who are on podcasts to stop folks from having side conversation. The way he did it was fucked up. He was trying to get a moment. She said that she was right on that. The nigga was trying to get a moment. But also he it seems like he had But that she gave him a moment here. by acknowledging it. Oh no, no. I'm not I'm not absolving her yet. Like I, I mean I'm not absolving her at all, really. But I'm saying both parts played a part in it. He was feeling whatever kind of way because of how he felt. But you are the ones that invited the bitches on their on said bitches like I ain't even helping them. But you invited them on your damn podcast. You yeah, invited, but he invited them. her you to show more time. Look, late. but that it is I mean, them on the breaks though. Who's the bigger platform at this point? Yeah, she's a ratchet, but she has more following than he no, does when no, it comes to social she's media. Not the bigger platform. And that was the next point that I was gonna make. Everyone was talking about cancel fresh and fit. Cancel fresh and fit. 
These niggas are up 3 million views because of y'all. These oh my, niggas get an extra $40,000 because y'all can't stop clicking on the goddamn video. They up 10,000. They probably like 12,000. <laughs> YouTube don't pay niggas shit. No, no. YouTube does pay people stuff when you're in the mix. Remember, their social blade rank is 500 something. So they're in the top thousand YouTubers. So they more than likely make the standard ad rate of uh, four bucks. So four bucks times 3,000 views. You're right, $12,000. I was doing it just to mess with you. But no. That's twelve thousand more dollars than what they had coming in because they're already. Nah, I seen a nigga with a million views make twelve hundred dollars, and then he was looking at. Hey, his, uh, did she did she deactivate her IG after that? Because I can't find her IG. No, she deactivated her IG after. Everybody Why do we always her for um, dating uh, well, King I'm, Von's other baby mama? I'm I'm looking for it because of I was gonna say like she at the moment of irrelevant. And I'm gonna say this: in the moment of most irrelevant fucking topics ever, because this is nigga news. I was going to say she has a bigger platform because she keeps saying stupid shit or doing stupid shit versus them. They have a major platform on YouTube. I was talking about on the social media side of just IG and shit, but I didn't know she removed herself. But anyway. Why, why do we always defend the Asia dolls? And it's either I'm not the Asia dolls or the slightly cool Camilla Harris. That's what I was like, about to get at. That's what I was yeah, getting at. She was, saying, she was, she was purposely, purposefully being antagonizing, too. Like she is both of them niggas was wrong what they was doing. It's just the fact that hey, you gotta pick your side. You gonna pick the side of women need to stay in one place or he needs to respect women, black women, especially. Oh look, he said something in the past. That's all it is. It's all it's two ignorant motherfuckers that got ignorant and now they're quite divisive. But she they ignorant. shock jocks. Right. I mean, they're not really yeah, they shock jocks. They don't really have a I don't even think they believe most of the shit they say because like we found contradiction of them in the past. And, like it was like fuck pressure fit. Like, I remember they tried to fight them one dudes, and then they got scared. Some of we got guns. Like, y'all some bitch-ass niggas. I knew y'all was bitch-ass niggas a long time ago. And then they told oh, people that they got guns. Like, that was the problem. It's like, so you just really going to sit up here and say you a bitch? Nah, you saw them niggas run up in their studio. They got scared. Well, no, no. Uh, when Mr. Organic ran up in their studio, he didn't really run up in their studio and do anything. He ran up in their studio just basically being like, hey, hey, shoot me. Shoot me, nigga. And it's like, I mean, nigga, you don't, you're not gonna have niggas things. First. What's new in Florida? What the hell are you talking about? Nah, nah. Remember, <laughs> we got a terrorist and a Haitian, right? <laughs> they not, they don't, they don't get the white rules or the I American mean, rules because we all that, know they're not from here. You want to talk about two coaches that really just do not respect women of any kind? They might perpetuate white and lighter skin because that's what they want. But them niggas don't come in the game trying to appreciate women. I mean, women have their place in their culture, and then to each his own. <laughs> It seems like it worked out for them. There's a lot of rich people in the Middle East. <laughs> I mean, I, There's a ton know. of rich people in the Middle East. As me and you were talking about it. <laughs> that girl who getting flewed out to Dubai. A lot of them girls getting flewed out. They're not just going with their friends. They're going to suck some dicks. You don't want to see what they're going to. Would you let exactly. your girl go suck a dick for a million dollars? Hell no. What is wrong with you? Y'all some real ass niggas. All them bitches don't look a fuck who that bitch is. What you do is you get a side chick. And you just make her do exactly. split. The side chick can do it, and then the married couple can split. Side the chick technically your bitch. You know how we work out. It's your wife and your concubine. <laughs> well, the concubine can go do that because the wife is never going to be subjected to such disgusting things. And also, RIP to those 19 dead in that Bronx apartment fire. I mean, I can't tell niggas. Crazy trying to get to New York. 
Well, yeah, that price is probably rent control. It definitely was probably rent control. Like, looking at this building, it just looked like a place that ain't seen no updates in 40 years. 40 years! But well, I'm not trying to make comedy out of this because, you know, nine well, fucking fucking died. Fuck y'all, niggas. Yeah, first and fifth, fuck y'all, niggas. Uh, like, no, uh, no, it's, uh, not, it's not even fuck, fresh and fit. It's like, the only reason we even knew about the story is because everybody else around us was watching this stuff. Everyone kept making videos like um, like uh, the people that they went to, that they beefed with, Evan Preach. Evan Preach made a video about the whole thing. They're like, Asian hey, Doll's not right. But, you know, you knew who these niggas are. And that was the point that I was like, thank you. Like, Evan Preach told y'all, you knew who these niggas are. Like, you didn't go, Asian Doll didn't go on here because she doesn't need some additional clout, all right? She went on there because of the clout that these niggas are doing and because she wanted to be able to promote her brand or her song or anything else because that's why we go on she does at this point. And she just, is she an unsuccessful stripper rapper? Yeah, she's an unsuccessful stripper rapper. She's Summer Walker, but minus the walk. She has and a lot then, not going for her. And for the sake of, you know, continuity, no, we ain't bashing her because she's a woman or a black woman like that. That woman has her history of coming at women. She made, especially when she was talking about how only light-skinned women were the ones making fun of her because she's dark-skinned and said shit and she was talking to women. She talks down to women more than the men y'all accused of talking down to women. It's just the fact that we got these two fuck niggas that were talking down to her and then it became like... Remember when she made the tweet 23 hours ago talking about uh, Antonio Brown and then she had a backpedal <laughs> saying that it was clearly a joke? Yeah, y'all, yeah. y'all choose the worst people to be like, he should have talked to Asian Doll like that. No, Asian Doll knew how these niggas talk and still decided to go on to this goddamn podcast. So Asian Doll is an adult. Let her defend herself. But, Stop but also, standing in the gap also, for the worst of us. That nigga knew he had invited Asian Doll to the podcast. I don't know what I she mean, was. Yeah, expecting. but Asian Doll, Asian Doll is ratchet. But again, they've had a lot of ratchets on the podcast. I mean, they're not no jumper where they've had ratchets who actually take their clothes off. But they're not exactly too many steps away from that because a lot of their little simps would pay for that and would pay for that privilege. Mm, I think everybody involved was just a bunch of suck ass people. About it. I mean, I'm not saying that you're wrong, bro. I am not saying uh, that you're yeah. wrong. It's, it's one of those things where it's just like Asia Doll has is very active on Twitter, and that's like her main platform right now. But you know, she's always making excuses for some fuck shit that came out of her mouth, and y'all acting like she was just being whatever because y'all completely forgot about when in twenty uh, twenty one she wanted to make some controversial statements about Indian food about it being nasty, and, <laughs> and all of a sudden y'all was completely distant from her because y'all didn't want to piss off India. You know, that's a billion niggas over there. Go ahead, go to war with them if you want. Go ahead, go to go to war with India if you want. Cause I don't know, Indian food to be bad Jamaican food. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It always tastes like bad Jamaican food to me. Although someone told me there's an Indian spot he likes to go to that's about an hour away, and uh, I'm I'm always curious. Like, what's so good about this food? So hey, I don't, I don't um, know. Well, no, I mean it's just it's just she made the same kind of comments about the Indian food that. Fresh and fit made about black women. She, oh, to quote her tweet from February 21, since we all jumped back in the past, because y'all started this, remember? Y'all started this. She said, I'm at this Indian restaurant. What should I order? Everything looks nasty. Insulting all their culture. Basically shitting on Indian food. But at the same time, y'all mad because yes. Fresh and Fit shitted on black women. Like, again, I'm just saying, the same way we were talking about at the beginning of the podcast, cognitive dissonance. You can't be like, this is my Shiro, but then be like, it doesn't matter what she said in the past. If it mattered what Fresh and Fit said, it matters all the dumbass time 
that Asian doll or Asian debrat because you're not, you know, fuck it. Black girl who wants to be Asian because you're not Asian. That is a strong culture that you're not part of and never will be. Uh, she always says dumb this is shit. black women defending the monolith and um we're done with the monolith over here with black men because uh right because Tory Lanez <laughs> ain't shoot that bitch oh okay I'm sorry I just bring it up I mean you're not wrong yeah but we're talking about dumb bitches I'm with her. I mean remember remember she also endorsed Trump in 2020 but you know black women forget so quick they forget so uh, quick right. they forget so well, quick with their shit we endorsed yeah, Trump in 2020 so, you endorse this guy and go home. I'm not gonna lie, but also when we get on this uh these topics, this is why I'm all for our idea for the visuals when we start the visual. <laughs> I I'm trying to succeed in this life. Oh man. yeah, mm-hmm. niggas. Uh, the visuals are coming soon, but the Patreon only, and it's gonna be yeah. an interesting twist on it. We haven't really worked out the details. We'll we'll shoot for April, May, maybe. I don't know. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> yeah, I think um, April, May. I think April, May makes sense. That gives us enough leeway and, and enough time. Justin LeBoy is not a point of reference or anybody you should take advice from. Women. Women Ooh. only. Women. <laughs> yes. He will keep you single and dining up until you get to <clears> 50 <throat> and you realize you do not have enough money for retirement, so you got to marry your girlfriend. Anybody that can get beat up single-handedly back away from you is not somebody you should pay attention to. Correct. Correct. And uh, last but not least, uh, I'm going to perpetuate the rumor already. You shut the hell up. Everything is exactly. beat up. That's just no, 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 no. But that was that was beaten up because he opened his goddamn mouth. But it was the fact that it was more so Quavo. Like if you lose the fact that Quavo, I just question everything about you, man or woman or child. Correct. I mean, <laughs> sweetie love. <laughs> <laughs> I just had to stop Ari from saying something positive about Quavo, and he didn't realize it. But you was about to say something positive about him. I can't let you do that. I love and respect you too much for that. I won't say anything positive about the Migos. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. Oh, shit. What was funny is that, uh, sorry to take it back, but Asia Doll is accused of cultural appropriation because she basically stole an Indian dress after saying she doesn't eat Indian food in the same goddamn year. <laughs> it just don't stop. You can't, make, you can't make it up. You can't stupid, it stupid up, don't bro. stop, man. <laughs> stupid don't stop, man. It's always going. But we appreciate everybody listening to another episode of Everyday Black Men Podcast, a podcast for authentic black male thoughts. I've been Riker. He's an R.E. And Armstead had to leave, but we still had DJ All Might. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter, E-V-Y-D Black Men, Instagram, Everyday Black Men, the Everyday Black Men Facebook page. Of course, our Patreon, EVMP, where we'll have the facial reveals. R.E.'s got dick pics. We've got a bunch of episodes you've never heard. We've got an extended episode that's up there that you really should listen to because we go in on music in a way that we really didn't get a chance to because today's podcast, we spent some time reflecting on its uh, other podcasts that we're calling, but uh, but let me get a point, but let me get a line, but but let me say, but let me read. Let me read, read. this. Deuteronomy. <laughs> oh Deuteronomy. I, I was trying to tell them, like, yo, y'all might be right, but the way y'all teach, like, y'all just spewing, you know what I mean? Like, that's not how well, people... The thing about it is, like, you can, you can teach people, but you gotta work on the approach. And we'll, right, we'll the just delivery. We'll, yeah, we'll just see how the delivery goes. And uh, it's probably the podcast where we had the zero profanity, I think. That, that's what, that podcast is for the kids. I, so I'll be able to mark that podcast as not being split. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, I don't think I said one fucking curse word. 
<laughs> not a fucking curse word. But last but not least, before we get out of here, man, uh, there's a guy by the name of Lost Soul. He just put out a track called Carrying That Weight. I'm going to link that below. Definitely give him a shout out, man. He's been a long time listener, long time fan. Um, and he's really been up in his rap game. But anyway, peace. Adios, amigos. Cultural appropriation. Cultural appropriation. <laughs> hey, amigos, what the cultural appropriation? If you think about it. I'm Flo from Progressive. Being a baseball fanatic like me can be stressful. It's not all sports points and touchdowns. So Progressive is going to help you take your mind off your team for a moment. Instead of thinking about how they missed that goal point score, think about the Name Your Price tool from Progressive letting you choose coverage options based on your budget. Unlike your team that missed the end zone net area. Well, anyway, hope this distraction about Progressive's Name Your Price tool was helpful. It sure kept me from thinking about all those penalty balls. Yay, sports! Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.